0: Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the eighth episode of the Emerald Flow Show. We're a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm Gerard DiCarrio here with Paul Vosch. And you can follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show. And we're available on all podcast apps, recently added to Amazon uh, Music after a few uh, weeks where we have, we're have having some issues getting on there, but we're on there now. And uh, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review there, and you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show if you are so inclined. Well, Paul, I think this is actually going to be our biggest episode ever. Um, so we're going to jump right into it. Otherwise we are going to be here for seven hours.
2: We might be here for seven hours anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll just start off, uh, Paul, I know you didn't get a chance to see it, but I saw the All Japan, New Japan show. Uh, it is up on, uh, New Japan world now, not up on All Japan TV for whatever reason. Uh, I will just say the main event of, uh, Kento Miyahara and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jake, Lee, and Taichi in the 30 minute draw was uh, a lot of fun. I actually thought Taichi, in some ways, was the star of it because he was a a great heel. Uh, Jake was fine. Uh, I won't say bad, but he sort of stuck out, I thought, as being uh, the weak link again, like a little strong, but he just wasn't as dynamic as the other three. Um, I really liked the opener of uh, Ryo Inoue. Uh, versus uh, Kosei Fujita. That was just a really great Young Lion um, match, and as we've been really high on Inoue uh, ever since he debuted, so check that out. And the other match I would recommend checking out is um, basically Yuma and Atsuki Aoyagi teaming with Tomoyaki Hanma and um, uh, Togi Makabe. To take on the L.I.J. team of uh, Tsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi, and um, Bushi. Uh, like Yuma's chemistry with Shingo and Naito is incredible, and like, and then I guess we could talk about it because they'll be teaming up again. Or will they be facing, uh, Yuma will be facing off against Shingo in another tag match coming up, so, which is really exciting. So, those are really the matches that I recommend checking out um, from that show. Um, last episode, we went through basically the entire first half of the Champion Carnival. I thought there's not much to say about the second half. The second half was fine. I mean, there was nothing like truly bad on the tournament. I think my lowest rated matches, I didn't go below. Two and three quarters, but there was like a lot of three, a lot of three and a quarter. But I would just say, uh, matches probably worth checking out. Uh, Jake versus T Hawk, which was sort of the basically the A block final match, I thought was good, although it didn't quite hit like super high gear in part (laughs) due to Jake. And T Hawk versus Irie, uh, Irie, I'll just warn you, that's a 30 minute draw. It's a little slow in the middle, but I thought they did some great work um, throughout most of the match. So if you do have the time, check it out, but I get it if you don't. But I just wanted to touch briefly on uh, the 30-minute draw on April 29th in Nagoya versus Kento uh, Miyahara versus Yuma Aoyagi. And I thought this match, uh, I'll will just, bit of a spoiler, I didn't think it was quite as good as the finals, but I thought this was a really great match that told a really good story.
2: Yep. I agree. Uh, I mean, maybe just real quick for me as well for Jake vs. Teahawk. I thought that match had a lot of potential, but I think what hurt it for me was that it already felt like a foregone conclusion that Jake was going to win the block. Like, I think that really is kind of what hurt a lot of kind of A block matches in the second half of the carnival. Because, yeah, we already talked about it on the last show where we both agreed that like, yeah, A block is definitely like Jake is going to win that one. And I just kind of really hurt the second half of the A block for me, where it was just like, okay, these are nice matches, but like none of them really matter because Jake's going to win the block. Uh, yeah, uh, otherwise, Tiok with eerie, as I said, that was really good. And then, yeah, Kento versus Yuma, that's the best match of... To me, that was the best match of the tournament besides the finals, so it was the best of the block matches. Uh, uh, I think they built that one really well, but they also, I think, What was crucial for that match is that they saved some stuff as well, because obviously they're gonna come back to Kento versus Yuma later, like obviously they're gonna go back to it now that Yuma won the final, Uh, and they also still saved that win uh, for Yuma over Kento as well, so I think that was really noticeable notable rather as well that Yuma did not beat Kento and rather than it was just a draw.
1: So we're moving on from uh, Kento versus Yuma until uh, the finals show itself. Uh, we'll just go quickly through the undercard here. Uh, first match was Tajiri and Rashi defeating Takawa Mori and Ryo Inoue in 6 minutes and 34 seconds. When Arashi pinned Inoue with a, cr- a flying crossbody, I didn't think there was much to this match other than Inoue trying to go up against uh, Arashi was actually uh, the highlight of the match and I thought he did really well there going against a much larger opponent
2: yeah uh, really for me it was mostly about kind of just looking at the continued development of Ryu anyway and yeah he's coming he's coming along very nicely uh, so yeah definitely another good sign from him
1: and a match after that was Hokuto Omori and Yusuke Kodama defeating Izanagi and Black Men's in 7 minutes and 51 seconds when Omori pinned Izanagi with the um, uh, Isin. Uh A little disappointing. I thought this would be a little better. It was just kind of there. And Omori cheated to win, which he hadn't done in a while. So I don't know what that means for like his future development.
2: Yeah, I mean, we haven't really gotten that many teases about the total eclipse split, No, obviously that might have just been on hold because of the champion carnival and it might get picked up again now. Uh, I mean, given what happened later in the show, I'm kind of surprised that Kodama didn't get the pin in this match, but uh, I mean, it's minor complaint overall.
1: Yeah. And uh, in the next match, uh, Hikaru Sato defeated Rising Hayato in 7 minutes and 7 seconds with a modified ground cobra twist. I thought this was a lot of fun and really good. I think ever since Hayato's uh, disappointing uh, junior title match in January against Sugi, where he blew some spots, he's actually been working a lot harder and I think trying to get back in the great good graces of management to give him another shot. And I thought this was great.
2: Yeah, that's really what this felt like as well. And I do think it is... A bit of a showing of faith as well that uh, they actually gave him a singles match here. Obviously, they didn't, didn't give him a title match right away, but I think it was kind of a nice showing by the booking team as well to give him a singles match on the Championship Carnival final show, which generally tends to be one of the bigger shows of the year for all Japan. And I think he accommodated himself nicely here. Uh, he did well. to looked great as always. So, yep, a good, fun kind of sprinty match.
1: And great finish, too, when Hayato went for a Swanton Bomb, and then when he like hit on the impact, Sato just caught him and like uh, moved into like the submission yeah. hold. Yeah. And then after that, uh, Ryuki Honda defeated Yoshitatsu in 4 minutes and 52 seconds when he used a cutback cradle when Yoshitatsu went for the Yoshitatsu Fantasy. um I thought this was everything that it should have been. I mean, you can say that Honda should have beaten maybe Yoshitatsu definitively, but whatever. I mean, I think it's still, after getting zero points in the tournament, this is still like a a sign that they've got plans for Honda. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think anytime you enter the Tatsuverse, you're kind of lucky if you get out with a win. So I was actually kind of afraid that Yoshitatsu was actually going to beat Honda here. So I'm happy that they gave him a win, even if it was just a roll-up uh i actually would have liked it if honda had gotten a bit more offense in this match i felt with you to me yoshitatsu kind of took the majority of the match and i wasn't really a big fan of that uh but in the end i can't really complain uh we can, can't really complain about the result here
1: I guess you could say that uh, Honda has escaped the black hole that leads into the Tatsuverse, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, I mean, barely.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, he got a win over Yoshitatsu, uh, whereas like Kazma did not. So I think that shows something
1: Yeah. Cool. And then after that, we had the Stronghearts team of Hawk, Shigehiro Irie, and Issei Onitsuka defeating Kento Miyahara, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Takuya Nomura in 10 minutes and 59 seconds uh, when Hawk pinned Aoyagi e- uh, after the night ride. Oh, this was awesome. It was just like a sprint. Everyone was being a complete dick to each other. Onitsuka was slapping Miyahara and trying to get into his face. And then Takuya Nomura was slapping... Um, Kento too and this is like a long running thing whenever Kento like has to team with a, um, a like an outsider of some stature because I remember there was one time when Kento teamed with Marufuji on a on a Atsushi Aoki memorial show and they basically were like at each other's throats even though they were on the same team so it's like something that he does and I thought this was just really great and of course it was a crazy sprint uh, thanks to the Stronghearts guys
2: yeah this, this really was the uh, everybody hates Kento match Uh, I thought, I was especially impressed with Onitsuka here, I've, I've been liking the stuff that he's been doing and great as well, but I thought he was really great here, just the way he was just constantly agonizing Kento throughout the entire match, like it was just non-stop, just literally everything he did in this match was just designed to piss off Kento specifically, and Kento also gave it back to him as well, where he was just specifically targeting him as well like just beating him down on the outside and just really roughing him up and yep i think t-hawk and iri did really well as well and it was just as you said it was this really fun strong hearts kind of sprint match that they just really excel at and to me this was easily the second best match on the show and yeah it was just a ton of fun and i hope we get just a lot more of like strong hearts going forward in uh in all Japan, because just every time they turn up in all Japan, they're great.
1: Now I have to ask you this: a couple of things. T Hawk mentioned maybe challenging for the Triple Crown, so that could be something. Yeah. And also because they've got a, another Oda Award gym show in June, and I really don't know who is going to be in that main event.
2: I mean, do you want to connect those two points? Because I don't think that's going to be T Hawk. I I do think, but you never know. I I, I do.
1: I just don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Um, I think T Hawk. I I could definitely see him get a triple crown shot. Uh, I would, but I would probably more make that like a curtain shot. I don't think T Hawk would be like a good challenger for Ota Ward, but I do think he would get it I can easily see him get a triple crown shot, and I think that could be an amazing match as well. Like regardless of who he's actually going to face in that match. Wouldn't really give him a high chance of winning it, but I think he would do really well. Whereas, who do I think would get the shot at Ota Ward? Well, for that one, I have one suggestion, uh, because that seems to be kind of the new norm in Japan, uh, as we're gonna talk about later, is just the New Japan dads coming into either promotions <laughs> and getting title <laughs> shots. So I would not be surprised if the person that gets the title shot here or the title shot at Oda rather, is going to be Yuji Nagata.
1: Yep. He's also teaming with Suwama coming up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought about that too, but we can talk about that more in a minute. But my second point about T-Hawk is, how do you think T-Hawk feels, given that uh, Shima and Al Lindeman are getting all of these uh, New Japan dates and he's <laughs> uh, stuck in all Japan?
2: I mean, it can't be happy, and I mean, again, we've made this point before as well, where he just kind of feels lost in the shuffle at the moment, and I think that's really showing it as well, where, like, El like he's the champion of the promotion, and he's also the one getting the best of the Super Junior spot as well, and all those kinds of challenges, whereas I would have my doubts that T-Hawk is going to be in the G1 this year so yeah i don't think he's going to be super happy about it um and yeah i think it might not be the worst idea for him to kind of like try and make his own way as well like it definitely feels now that we have kind of a strong hearts a and a strong hearts b and it feels like t hawk is in strong hearts b
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and it's well without getting into all the everything about great it's entirely possible that irie beats L. lindemann in an upcoming great show for the g-rex title so lindemann can go off into the best of the super juniors Come
2: without the belt and then irie comes out with even more belts yeah i wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah which then.
1: which also means that he probably isn't dropping the gay or tv title <laughs> anytime soon if if he wins the g-rex title
2: that's not something i'm really worried about because i mean he's been one of the best gay tv tri- champions that we've had so i would Absolutely. be all in favor of him getting a even lengthier reign with the title. Like, I think he should probably, like, it, like, if it's up to me, then I would, like, have him chase kind of the, the record in terms of, like, length of reign that I think is mm-hmm. still held by Akiyama.
1: I think so. But Yoshitatsu got up there. Yeah. i have to
2: check. So, like, I would definitely be all in favor of that, of him just kind of running through kind of the all, the entire, like, All Japan midcard or every once in a while bring in, someone from the outside to challenge for that belt as well so yeah no, i'm all in favor of like iria getting to hell getting to hold that belt for even longer than he already has
1: for sure and in what was billed as a world tag team title skirmish uh the twin towers suji ishikawa and Kohesato, sato along with ren ayabe of Just tap out, defeated Suwama, Shotaro Ashino, and Dan Tammer in 10 minutes and 28 seconds when Ishikawa pinned Ashino after a Fire Thunder driver. Remember how we were saying, very impressive, that Shuji was putting over Irie twice in a row? Well, now Ishikawa's pinned Ashino twice (laughs) in a row. And they teased some dissension between uh, Suwama and Ashino um, during the match because, like, Ishikawa ducked out of uh, that sort of lariat... German suplex combo and then Suwama hit Ashina which led to the, the pin. Uh, I think this is just something to juice up the the tag title match on in Sapporo on May 14th and I certainly hope they're not breaking up Runaway suplex n- now because I think for Ashina this is a longer term uh, rebuilding project that having a long and dominant world tag title reign would uh, help.
2: No, I also think this is just kind of a thing that they want to do to uh, give some more juice to that match. Because we've, I think we've already had an, a title challenge by Twin Towers. So not that yes, long ago. Yes,
1: uh, the Oda Award in October, yeah. I believe. The show with the 60-minute draw between Kato yeah, and Jake.
2: Yeah. So we've already had that match there. So I think this is just kind of like to give a new wrinkle to a title match that we've already seen, which... I'm all in favor of, like, I don't think it's time to break up Runaway Suplex yet, because really what is Ashino going to do if they break up that team now? Like, I don't think they're gonna, like, put him in the a, in a hunt for the Triple Crown, because I think they've already got enough challenges lined up for that belt for the next little while, so I think it just makes more sense to just keep the team together, give them, like, a really nice, long, dominant run, and then you can break up the team get like a Suwama Ashino singles match out of that and then put Ashino back in the hunt for the Triple Crown after that. But I wouldn't do that for like another couple of months. So I think this is really just kind of a way to give some juice to the title match and nothing
1: more yet. Um, I think one of the most glaring things in the company, at least to me, I think some people would say other things are more glaring to them, but there's a real lack of world tag team title challengers.
2: Yeah. I think they really would benefit from kind of putting together uh, a couple more teams as well. Because I think there's just
1: a bunch of people well, on
2: the roster that don't really do all that much. And I think it would be good to like just
1: e- put them together. Irie and t would be good challenges, yeah, I think.
2: Yeah, that would be one, for example. I think that would be a, a great team you could put together. I think we've been talking for a while now about a potential Honda and Jake team. And I wonder if that maybe is a direction that they're going in now that Jake didn't win... Uh, spoilers: Jake <laughs> didn't win the carnival, so uh, I think that might be something. I mean, I could also maybe see them like, I mean, put Yoshitatsu Tatsu with someone and have him challenge for the belt. I think that was still the best stuff that he's done in all Japan was his team with Kento. Yeah, so for sure. I think that would be someone you could put in like a tag team, so and you could like freshen that up as well, and not have like Runaway Suplex run for like the same three challengers five times.
1: Yeah. Okay, and the main event. Yuma Aoyagi defeated Jake Lee in 30 minutes and 24 seconds with The Fool. Yuma stops Jake from winning two champion carnivals in a row. The last person to do that was Minoru Suzuki in 2009 and 2010. And Yuma Aoyagi also, at 26 years old, becomes the youngest champion carnival winner ever, beating the record previously held by Jumbo Saruta, who was 29 years old when he won it in 1980. Uh, this match was incredible. I went four and a half stars. It's on my top 10 match uh, matches of the year list so far. I know it's only May, but it's up there. And I would say that this was the best singles match um, that All Japan has had since the pandemic started, actually.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this was a really tremendous effort. I also went four and a half stars on it, and it's also on my... Kind of match of the year candidate list uh, for now. Be curious where that actually finishes up. But I thought, I thought this was tremendous. As I said, this is the best match that all Japan has had since kind of since the pandemic really kind of took hold in Japan, and it's going to take a lot kind of to have a better match in all Japan this year. There's definitely like a couple more like potential things that are coming up there that. Are, have the chance of challenging it but they're gonna have to have like really good efforts uh, to challenge this one I thought this was really kind of work to perfection it was also booked to perfection it played to either men's strength as well which is always great uh, I think I was really impressed like I was going in I was very confident that Yuma was going to deliver uh, but I think Jake I think also worked this match about as well as he could as well I think he actually showed some fire in this match as well, which is rare for Jake. So, and that really helped it as well, and Yuma just did what he does best, which is he sold his ass off for Jake, where Jake just relentlessly just was beating up Yuma throughout most of the match, and Yuma just barely holding on and just really just taking everything Jake was throwing at him and never giving up and then finally managing to get that fiery babyface comeback for the win. And, like, it was a very classic match structure, and I think it just worked to perfection.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought the last couple of minutes with the near falls that they pulled out were was incredible because they got the crowd making noise. So that's how you know it's a good match. And then they pop big for the, the finish because I think a lot of people expected Jake to win. Yeah. I did. Um, my only nitpicks are first... I thought Yuma was on the ground too long when they were teasing the knockout before like the possum spot that went on a little too long and secondly I just don't like people pulling up someone before the three count even especially in a big match like this it's fine if it's a squash match on the undercard but that just sort of bothers me you know i guess to each their own but those are the only real complaints i have yeah. about the match but
2: to be fair I would have had more of an issue if drake would have just won after that
1: <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure for sure definitely but i
2: mean on the other hand also yeah. like they, because i actually really kind of forgot about that spot to be honest but like uh, for example because i think what also made me forget about it is also the fact that yuma also got to kick out of the out of the knee out of the giant killing knee so I right. think because after that one I was like, okay, is Jake actually going to win this? Because now they had Yuma kick out of the finisher. So is 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 that like kind of the spot that they gave him? Like it's like a, you you lose the final, but you get to kick out of the knee, so like it's okay. But then no, he kicked out of the finisher. Then he like dodged the second knee after that, and then he won the match. So like that was real. Like they put he got put up a really strong in a finishing sequence
1: yeah definitely and I just thought and it's sort of interesting because like, the end game didn't play I mean he used it but it didn't quite play quite the role I thought it was going to play in the in the match
2: yeah no I it, it never really had a feeling like a, I had a feeling that if Yuma was going to win he was going to win by pin like I don't think he was going to tap out Jake uh, like I feel like that's I think that's something that's going to happen but it also feels like that's something that they might want to save for like a later match as well because now he's got the pin over it, but he hasn't gotten the tap-out win over him yet, and I think that's, like, a nice way, uh, like, that's something that I really like about, kind of, the arsenal that Yuma has, where, like, he just has multiple ways where he can finish off people, and I think it's always great if you have that, because then you can have, like, one finish for, like, your first win, and then you can save, kind of, the other finish, kind of, for, like, another big match as well, and I think that's something really, really cool, and... Uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite things about Yuma right now.
1: And after the match, Kento got in the ring because he was on commentary. <laughs> Did you see it when he... Because he was wearing his like uh, track jacket uh, when he was on commentary, but he was still in his um, his ring gear because he had just finished the match. And then when he gets <laughs> in the ring, he takes off the jacket. He's wearing the triple crown. I just thought that was a nice touch.
2: I mean, to be fair, I kind of assume that Kento is wearing a triple crown everywhere he goes just like underneath his his clothes, because that just seems to be like the kind of person that Kento is. Like he just goes to like the convenience store and he just has the triple crown under his coat.
1: And so they also teased when Kento had his back turned briefly of Yuma uh, German suplexing him, uh, which calls back to uh, January 2020 when Yuma uh, suplexed uh, Kento, which you know, it was the original turn on Kento to set up their the first time that Yuma ever challenged for the Triple Crown. Uh, so they're gonna have a match in Sapporo on May fifteenth for the Triple Crown. And I think I think Kento's retaining.
2: I think so as well, but I'm not a hundred percent. Like I think it's the most likely thing they... that Kento retains here and then Yuma like you will win the triple crown eventually, but I don't think He's gonna win it in Sapporo. Like I feel like they're saving that one for a bigger spot.
1: Could they go sixty?
2: No, because they just went to a draw, and Yuma just right. won the Champion Carnival. Like I think that's already a great achievement for him. As you said, like he's the youngest person ever to win the Champion Carnival. So I think it's fine for Kento to just beat him. Like it's like if there's, it's if it's a more competitive match than the last match and yuma gets some really good like near falls out of it and everything like i think that's already good enough and then kento can just win the match normally
1: now because this match is happening in Sapporo, i'm generally of the opinion that i don't think the main event of the 50th anniversary show is kento versus yuma but i don't think it's impossible but i'm leaning against that that's what it's going to be
2: now. yeah i mean now i would now i would agree like previously i definitely thought it was going to be yuma now that is a bit of a quick turnaround to have Yuma challenge again, and if they have the Royal Road Tournament for him to win both the Royal Road and the Champion Carnival in the same year, don't think anyone's ever done that. Um, so, But that then leaves up the question, who is actually going to be the challenger for that show?
1: They're not going to just do something stupid and have Suwama challenge.
2: <laughs> <It> might. <laughs> I mean, it might also just be Jake Lee.
1: Yeah, I thought about that too, but those are just... They would have an incredible undercard or because it's going to be 3,000 Oh, it's going to be Yuji Nagata. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Okay,
2: actually, I mean, do we what, quickly want to touch on Nagata now or do we want to do that later? Sure. So, because what I'm wondering about, and this is purely based on what just happened with Kojima and Noah, like, given that Nagata has kind of given this interview and said that he wants to, like, get a triple crown shot, which I would assume is going to lead to him, like, either getting like we already know that he's going to work in all japan um like do we think that this might be a uh, similar situation that might be similar to the kojima situation or is this kind of more of a one-off situation or could this be like a soft jump of nagata to all japan as well where new japan is just Uh, clearing out the dads to like make room on the card and they're just kind of going to other promotions that might take them
1: The reason why not with Nagata, I could see Kojima being a soft jump eventually in the new year, uh, especially, but there's a difference because uh, Cyberfight can uh, afford Mm -hmm. Kojima. Um, And also, Nagata is like the dojo guy in Japan, unless they're bringing Shibata in to do that. So I think he's just too valuable backstage in a way that Kojima isn't.
2: Yeah, no, fair enough. I hadn't actually, I actually forgot about the fact that, yeah, Nagata's running the dojo, whereas Kojima...
1: and and all those young guys were their their yeah, trainer, yeah. right? Like he's got like a whole shitload of students in that wrestling yeah, right yeah. now. So that's why I, that's why I don't think it's it's a clear out. And I mean I don't know because it's interesting when that happens because they basically made Nakanishi retire, as far as I understand. Um, that wasn't necessarily his choice, one hundred percent. Even though he was in yeah. horrible shape, but still. And I'm kind of and I expect them to force out Tenzon sooner rather than later too.
2: Yeah no i mean definitely but again that's why i'm wondering if kind of nagata i mean it might be that he's retaining but his role is different. position but is just going to like yeah. work more like stuff kind of outside of new japan and i mean if he does that and hopefully like i hope he works more kind of shots in all japan because i think he would be like a good addition to the roster as well
1: right but then why why doesn't he go with his best friend um June
2: and works in Nagata and DDT yeah
1: well I mean maybe I don't know maybe he maybe he just wants to face Kento I mean it might
2: also just be him yeah him just yeah as you said like he wants to get a triple crown shot and maybe he just kind of like bounces around like a bunch of like other promotions like similarly to like someone like Minoru Suzuki is as well who is technically still like a New Japan regular but also just does a bunch of stuff outside as well
1: Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we have those um, Sapporo shows coming up. Of uh, The announced cards so far, the first night is the all a Tag Match, Hokuto Amora and Yusuke Kodama versus um, Tamoya Tom- uh, and Noriyuki Yoshida. They're both local Sapporo indie wrestlers. Then the World Tag Title Match, Suwama and Satoru Ashino versus Suji Ishikawa and Kohisado. And also, Bruce Issei, if you remember him, he was a... Uh, trainee in 2004 2005 he was a lot of hype because he's a, a large guy but he suffered um, a shoulder injury and retired after I don't know six nine months six months or nine months or less than a year anyway and he's resurfaced recently on I believe a just tap out shows so he's going to be a three-way match with Izanagi and Black Menso Rey. and on uh, May 15th uh, Brudesse is working that show again um we've got the junior title match Hikaru Saito versus Yusuke Kodama it's interesting that, you, that Kodama is is, has a title match on both days they don't necessarily always do that The last time I can think of is was the time that Aoyagi did that in um 2021 with the world tag title and then facing um Suwama the next day then of course uh, the main event of Kento Miyahara versus Yuma Aoyagi oh I forgot to mention um jake sitting in the corner when yuma was talking to him after the match he had like he looked like he was really sad like not like i'm a heel that just lost but like i'm a sad boy
2: so do you think we're gonna get like a jake face turn or something or is this is just i
1: i don't know but but i would assume it's gonna happen by the oda Award show in june we probably yeah. know
2: i mean in theory you could I... turn someone in their hometown
1: Oh, that's very true, too.
2: But I don't really expect it to happen. But definitely it's curious to see uh, what I actually think about these, like, separate shows. Do you think we're going to see any title changes? Because I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, no, that I don't think we're going to see, like, any title changes on either of these shows.
1: The only title change I could possibly see is the junior title, just because they changed the junior title all the time.
2: I could see that one happening. And also, just the way like Hikarisato like reacted as well when Kodama came out to challenge him, because like, he just seemed yeah. to be like completely like just afraid of him, which was kind of curious. Like not really sure why he's so afraid of Yusuke Kodama, but I mean, more power to you. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, I'm not opposed to like a Kodama title reign, but like the other ones, yeah. I, can't really see that happening like especially that all Asia title match just like that one just really feels like a foregone conclusion and that that might be the only one where I'm like Kodama isn't winning because like I don't think because they very rarely make like a dual champion of like have like the same guy be like the all Asia ta- like tech title champ as well as the junior champ right
1: so. well, the only way I could see it working is if they use that as a catalyst for Kodama and Omori to sort of like have tension between each other because then, you know, when Omori want the, you know, the junior title for himself type thing? And then they can just have, well, they're not going to drop the All-Asia titles to a couple of uh, indie guys from nope. Sapporo or Hokkaido, but they'll, they could the, ne- the month after that, right? And I, I could see sort of like, you know, they lose the All-Asia tag titles in June and then Omori gets pissed and challenges for the title
2: yeah i could potentially see that that actually would be a lot of fun um good but yeah otherwise don't really foresee anything major happening like with Brute say i'm i'm really curious to see what he looks like now um i would assume that this is just like because he's from hokkaido that's why he's working these shows i don't think he's gonna be like returning regularly yeah. but i am very curious to see like what he looks like now especially since he's like in the first match he's in there with like two juniors well is blackman's a junior well yeah he is yeah so yeah. like because he's just going to be that much bigger than those two and i, I think he, i i fairly certain he's probably going to get the win in that match as well
1: yeah um and then one thing that was announced for the June 12th Korok and Hall show is a six man tournament. And the teams are Hikaru Sadu, Dan Tamara, and Ryo Inoue, Takao Mori, Arata from Just Tap Out, and ATM, who he's not listed as an ex. So I think he's someone under a mask. Uh, I don't know how that will go because Devil Murasaki uh, didn't go so well uh, last time, although at least he's disappeared. And then we have a Stronghearts team of Tihak, Shigeru Irie, and Issei Onetsuka. And Takuya, Nomura, Fuminori, Abe, and Kosuke Sato. Yeah, I
2: think there's some decent teams in there. I think it should at least be like a nice mix-up as well. I think it's a nice way of like kind of juicing up the cards as well. So at the yeah. very least, like it's something fun to do for like the next little while. So don't really have any problems with that. Yeah, For ATM, yeah, I'm curious what that's going to be i hope it isn't just like a guy dressed up as a gigantic atm (laughs) but i also can't rule it out because it's japan
1: yeah exactly i don't know we'll see um but there could be some potential for good matches and then also um they announced uh some stuff for the jumbo saruta 23rd anniversary show uh i think that's where Nagata is tuning with Suwama against Taichi and Takamichinoku. Again, I think, as we mentioned, I wonder who <laughs> takes the pin in that one. Uh, Shingo Takagi is X in the match against Yuma and Atsuki Oyaki, is T Hawk.
2: Yeah, that should, um, that should actually roll. Like, I'm really curious to like, see that one.
1: Uh, Minoru Tanaka versus Ryo Inoue.
2: Yeah, that should be a ton of fun. That's, that's a good learning kind of opportunity for Inoue as well.
1: Uh, Kim Duck, aka Tiger Chung Lee, if you watch WWF 8 1980s shows where he was a jobber, he's having his retirement match where he's teaming with um Tetsumi Fushinami and Yoshiaki Yatsu against Shiro Koshinaka, Masanobu Fuchi, and Masao Inoue. Um, there's a street fight tornado bunkhouse hardcore match that just sounds grimy and god knows what it'll be. It's great Kojika at sushi. Onida, Raijin, Yaguchi, Yuko Miyamoto, and Asami Kodaka versus Hikaru Sato, Mitsuya Nagai, Yoshi Tatsu, Akira Raijin, and X. It's
2: also that one I'm really... Because it looks super grimy, but out of everything on the card, that one is the one that is built as the Suruda 23rd Anniversary Memorial Special like match. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes, of course. What better way to honor the memory of Jumbo Tsuruta than with a Street Void Tornado Bunkhouse hardcore match, the match most associated with Jumbo Tsuruta? What?
1: I don't know. Uh, I will, all I'll say is, I don't know, Paul, if you saw the WrestleCon Super Show on WrestleMania weekend? No. Okay, so there was a... ten. There, did you hear about that 10-man yeah. tag with Onita? So I can assure you that th- that this match will at least be better than <laughs> okay. that. Okay,
2: <laughs> that, that that sounds like like <laughs> damning with faint praise. <laughs> well,
1: because you you got Miyamoto and Kodak yeah. on one side, and you got Sato on the other, and who knows who X is? I mean, so it simply can't be worse than that match. What can, if X is say. Matt Raymond? <laughs> well, then we have, then yeah, it could be that we get challenged to, to be that bad. Um, and then the main event, it's being built as a six-man tag of past Triple Crown champions. Kento Miyahara, Minoru Suzuki, and Jun Akiyama versus Jake Lee, Takao, Omori, and
2: X. So many Xs. Paul, do you have
1: any theories on who... Do you have any theories on who X is? Because I have is one. It...
2: <laughs> is it Kojima?
1: Uh, no, but it wouldn't oh, it's... surprise me. If... Oh, is it Muto? Uh, oh, I was going to say great the Great Muda. Uh,
2: great Muda. Well, was... With... Muda ever triple crown champion?
1: Yes, because because when um, when Muto won the IWGP title yeah. in two thousand eight, he was also during that time the triple crown champion as the great Muda.
2: Ah, okay. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so yeah, I could definitely see that because Muda is also the only one that got a that got a visa for the US and not Muto. So I could see him definitely come back more as Muda now.
1: Oh and sorry, uh he was also um uh, he was also Triple Crown champion as the Great Muda in 2002 after Kawada had to vacate it because of his injury, and that was because he was the Great Muda when Hashimoto won the Triple Crown.
2: Okay, yeah. No, I I could definitely see him be X then. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: But, okay, so here's my theory. So this show is put on by the NPH, which is the Nippon ProRes Hall of Fame, and the people running it is uh, Kohei Wada and... Um, Tiger Kihara, the the old ring announcer for All Japan, and it's also being funded by some relatives of Matoko Baba, and so that's how they're getting like Stan Hansen, Tenru Kabuki, Kawada Tao and Kobashi to appear on the show. But one person that has also appeared on these other shows that have been promoted by this group uh, is Okea, because he was on the the jumbo, uh, the, sorry, the Giant Baba Memorial Show they did a couple years back, and he was on the Destroyer Memorial Show that they did a couple years back. So I just think that's a very realistic possibility because, you know, he's done shows for them before. Um I you know, so that's my sort of guess. And a dark horse I think is Joe Doring. But I somehow that, that would that. be
2: really cool. Yeah, I also have my doubts about that because I'm not sure if Doring is really still up for like flying to Japan just to appear on this like one show. So I have yeah. my doubts about that. And again, like Muto, M- Muto, I think makes a ton of sense to make like a surprise appearance, since Muto is like just returning from injury, like a little before this as well.
1: It's just interesting that there's no other Noah guys, and the only cyber fight person is Akiyama. I think, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Just looking over the card real quick. Yeah, he's the only one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why I was like a little like, well, is it going to be Muto? So. It, Anyway, it's a real X, I suppose. Uh, I guess in closing, uh, I guess um, I will just say I think the 986 attendance was really good, all things considered. I mean, I mean, uh, all Japan outdrew uh, DDT's show at the um, uh, Yokohama Budokan, which only got like yeah, they did.
2: Like they only sold like 100 tickets more than Freedom's did. So yeah, in the same building.
1: And Freedoms didn't – yeah, Freedoms didn't get um, that well either. I don't know. I just think there's a little bit of doom and gloom on All Japan. Now, I don't want to go into this like some of these Noah diehards mode or anything like that, but I think uh, the All Japan attendance in Tokyo is – not well there's weaknesses i could go on about the company but i think it's more about the weaknesses of tokyo and all smaller promotions than specifically all japan because generally when called upon they actually still managed to draw decent houses thank well thanks to kento which is a problem of its own of the structure of the company for sure but like some of those core can attendances during the champion carnival were not great and some of their lowest but i mean they would run the the corican hall like three times during the carnivals in 28 and 2019 and all of those non-finals coricans that they held they ran during um the champion carnival would draw like 900 or 800 people so i don't know i just thought that was you know an interesting thing that all japan's crisis is mm, i think more so the crisis of japanese wrestling in tokyo Uh, because noah's stuff has not been great either especially in corican hall and I guess on uh, the last things that's sort of connected to All Japan, Naoya Nomura uh, has popped up in Ganbare Pro. He appeared on their um, Korokin Hall show and he's teaming with um, uh, Mizuki Watase, who uh, formerly of Junretsu. So obviously there's the Jun um, connection and I'm sort of interested about why Ganbare of all places. Now, originally I was like, Nomura go to Noah. I'm okay with that right now, actually. But... Do you think that this is a test to see if Nomura's health can hold up?
2: I mean, I would guess so. I mean, he's been wrestling now for like a couple of months and don't really see any kind of... I haven't really heard anything about like him holding back noticeably or anything like that, which is obviously hard to estimate since he's working like such low-level shows.
1: Well, how many capture shows has it even worked? Because I don't even think they're on yeah, cage match.
2: that also makes it hard to like Really it as well. Uh, yeah, I could maybe see them see this be like a try run for him to go into like DDT, I guess. Because yeah, Noah maybe, but if anything, gunbar is more associated with DDT than Noah. Like that. Yeah. The CyberFight adjacent. Like they used to be just an offshoot promotion of DDT, but they did kind of become independent. Like they're not actually part of CyberFight. Like not.
1: I thought no, no, no. I think you think. Oh yeah, that. sorry.
2: Yeah, I am actually. <laughs> no, yeah. So yeah, in this case, yeah, Gunbaray is more like it is kind of a Cyber promotion, and yeah, it is weird that he kind of turns up on the lowest of them. Uh, but I mean, if he can hold up and everything, like he has to like kind of move up to like one of the like two big proper uh, Cyber promotions, because you can't just have him work just in Gunbaray.
1: Well, I don't want to offend any Gunbari fans because I know they're a dedicated bunch, and it is a fun promotion. But it just, you know, Naoya Nomura is could be a main eventer in a bigger promotion. Yeah. is all like, I'm saying. He could,
2: like, he could with be, all due respect, he, like, fans would be a main eventer in either. Like, he could be a main eventer in either DDT or Noah.
1: Well, he's not going to be a main eventer in Noah anytime soon. I can tell you that.
2: <laughs> I mean, we don't know about a shoot. Like, maybe that's why he went to catcher to get his shoot credentials so to shoot his respect him. So then I could see him go to Noah.
1: <laughs> that's very true. Never thought of that. Actually, that's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think. Uh, did you have any sort of closing thoughts about the carnival in general? I fall? think this
2: was a really good carnival overall. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really super impressive the second half of it, but I think they kind of nailed the ending of it which is always important because that's really what people are going to remember. Uh, I think it was a success overall. Uh, Attendance-wise, could have been better, but you've kind of touched on it already. I think normally would you have to be worried if the final draws less than 1,000 people in Corrican? Yes, but also, given the way, like, if you just look at attendances for midweek Corricans for any promotions, then actually 983 is actually a really good number, even if it is
1: Yeah, they're stronger they're stronger than most except for like Noah when they go into like Sumo Haas we'll talk about
2: so uh, I think this was a decent number and I think it's definitely something they can build on from here and I think they made the right decision on on giving it to Yuma I think this really establishes Yuma now properly like we all everyone knew that he was going to be a main eventer but I think now it's just kind of a sure thing that he is going to be one Uh, he's going to massively benefit from this win. Uh, would, have, would have been a nice thing for Jake to win it back to back, but I think it is a better idea to give Huma that win now. Uh, maybe not have him win the Triple Crown right away, but just show fans that like, hey, this guy is going to be a guy. He's going to be a future Triple Crown champion. And to get have fans get even more behind him now. So I think overall, this was a successful Japan and they establish some stuff that they can build on for the future.
1: Yeah, I agree more or less. Uh, it was a good tournament. There was nothing truly bad, just maybe average. Uh, it was the sort of the floor of the tournament. Uh, and, you, you know, they're playing with small, like, I think they had, what, 18 wrestlers in 2019. So it's just smaller blocks. They can't bring in as many people. So you just get, you know, I'm happy with the, the three-star average, really, if, and as long as you pull off a, a strong final. So before we get into pro wrestling, Noah, we just have a word from our sponsor, HelloFresh. So what is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit hello fresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfy satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from including low calorie and carb conscious choices you can customize your favorite dishes with their new hello custom offerings by swapping out one protein or side for another upgrading to a more uh, luxe experience or even adding protein to a veggie meal that means more choices more variety and more meals truly tailored to you Um, I'm not a super picky eater but sometimes I do like to mix things up and that's really handy to have Um, you know I mean I'm be admit there's probably like vegetarian dishes that I'll go and I'll just say I'll throw a chicken breast on this so (laughs) that's something that you can do with that that's definitely something that I've done before so I think it would be super helpful to have something like that paul do you ever just throw a chicken on something uh, yeah uh
2: sometimes to be fair i've actually been trying to eat a little less meat as well so uh i probably actually right now i probably would well, actually then... do the opposite where like i take off the chicken breast and throw on uh, some tofu instead uh yeah you can exactly do that too, but exactly. like it's not like i've stopped eating meat completely so i've definitely every once in a while i look at like a dish at a restaurant and be like I could take the vegetarian option here, but also I just really want some breaded chicken. So, yeah, I can definitely feel that instinct to just mix it up, and it's, it's a really good option that like HelloFresh allows you to just mix it up.
1: So you can go to HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16 and use the code V-O-W-16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember that's HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16 and use code V-O-W-16 to up for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Now on to quite possibly the most controversial wrestling promotion in Japan. That's right, it's pro wrestling Noah.
2: I also have a feeling that regardless of I'm what so- our takes are going to be on these shows, someone is going to hate us.
1: Uh, probably. <laughs> that seems to be. Uh, I don't even think we're going to be as uh, 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 rough as some people are. Although I've heard some people who certainly are no fans of things going on in Noah who have liked stuff on the shows. And I'll just say that I thought yeah. both shows were good. But we can also get into why both shows had issues. So we go start with Noah Majestic and Innovation at uh, Ryoguku uh, uh I think I pronounced that right. It's not as badly as Mayu Iwatani does it. Um, so that they had um, 1,585 fans. I guess that's I not would, bad. For the
2: Junior Show, I would call it a success. Like, to, because to me, kind right. of given the card that they put on, like this was like the floor of what I would say Noah can draw in Sumo Hall. And I think that's a good floor to have. Like I think 1,500 fans, if you can draw that with like, given that there's pretty much like no draws that were on the shows at all, and given that the Juniors normally run like Yokohama Radiant Hall, I think this is a big success. Because to me, like, I would have considered anything under 1,200 fans to be like a failure. So I think them drawing 1,500 fans is a good sign and it actually definitely raised my expectations for what they could draw on the second night as well.
0: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark, until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club, Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, club.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast
1: Yep, for sure. So your opening match was Ikuto Hidaka defeating Kai Fujimura in 6 minutes and 37 seconds with a Sean capture. Uh, you know, this was good. I mean, Hidaka is great. I've loved him. Uh, actually, I first saw him in ECW of all places. And uh, Fujimura is really solid, and I think he's going to turn out to be mm-hmm. a great junior. Yeah.
2: Solid match. Uh, I just ever wish that Hidaka would just like get a couple of bow- big matches than he does because he can just still go like he's still one of the best juniors in the promotion uh, but yeah this was a fun opening match
1: uh, next up uh, Slex comma the business defeated Yasutaku Yano in 8 minutes and 37 seconds with the business bomb um I thought this was a lot of fun. Slex looked great. He seemed to get himself over with the crowd with his sort of posing and his like gimmick with the sunglasses. Um, Yano is great. I really, really, really love him, and he's growing on me really fast. I think he could be a top guy in the junior division someday. And so, yeah, this did what exactly it needed to do. And I thought Slex was great. And I hope they have. Yeah, I hope so him. as
2: well. I'm still kind of baffled to see that they classify him as a junior, like a just got that much more blatant actually seeing him in in the ring in there it's like he just towers over Yano who to be fair is one of the smaller guys on the roster but still like it's just so much that like yeah hey this guy is a junior I'm like he's really not <laughs> he really shouldn't be but I mean I hope they move him up to heavyweight after a while because Maybe they give him just a quick run in the junior division, but like he's just so he was just so much bigger than Yano.
1: He's not that like I think he's like five ten, maybe five nine. So depending on who he's in there against, but I mean he looks like a heavyweight yeah. in Noah. New no. Japan would be another story, or All Japan, but in Noah he's definitely he can get away with being a heavyweight yeah, for given...
2: sure like the size and weight and everything of like some of the other heavyweights in the promotion, like he slots right into that.
1: Yeah. Next match, uh, inexplicably, uh, Kataro Suzuki versus Yuya Susumu went to a time limit draw in 20 minutes. I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but uh, recently Yuya Susumu also left Freedoms and has joined NOAA full time.
2: Uh, can put him on the graphic. Uh, I don't know. Can't draw, not... but can't politic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, absolutely, He's because his politics is way into this company. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not the worst thing I ever saw, but it was just dumb-to-make-it-go 20-minute draw. This dry match.
2: Um, yeah. I, I was also kind of baffled by the fact that this was like yet another time limit draw between these two. I'm not sure why Kotaro Suzuki can't just beat Yoyo Susumu, or if he actually want to do something with Susumu, why he can't just beat Suzuki, like why these just have to keep going to like time limit draws. And they're also like the, the time limit draws also keep getting longer as well. Like if this keeps get keeps going, like are we gonna get eventually get like a sixty minute draw between these two? That I don't I can't even imagine what that match would look like. Uh <laughs> I was kind of afraid that this match would be bad if it goes long, and it wasn't bad, like to be fair. I think they also made the right decision to like just have Suzuki be on offense for the majority of this match and just have Susumu sell. I think that was kind of the best decision to make for the structure of this match. And that really helped it as well, because Suzuki is just, has such amazing looking offense. Uh, yeah, otherwise I'm just kind of baffled by the decision to have this like... I mean it was like the second, like it was the third longest match on the show not sure why this had to be a time limit draw but just yeah as I said I'm just baffled by that but it wasn't bad so I guess it's fine
1: I just thought it was a yeah. dry match like not offensive or anything but just I don't want to spend 20 minutes yeah no I, I was
2: just like after like a while I was like why is this still going and then they like kept announcing that it was gonna be a draw and so I'm just like they gonna do another draw and then they did another draw and I was just okay let's just okay let's just move on to the next match was like my thought when this match finished I was just like kind of baffled
1: so the next match uh, a six-man team from Paris Dothmal de Hapon Nosawa Tejano Jr. who is even (laughs) bigger than Slex is (laughs) and super crazy defeated uh, Congo Tadesuke Hajime Ohara and Shuji Kondo I don't know if this is going to be a full-time thing but actually I think Kondo actually fits in quite well into Congo uh, when um, uh, Tejano Jr. pinned Tadaske with the road to Texas, or Tejas, maybe it's pronounced. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was fine, and it was just a highlight for Tejano Jr., and I mm-hmm. thought yeah. it went well.
2: Yeah, as I said, it's even more blatant that Tejano isn't a junior, or at least not in all in Noah. I think he's just like, he just towers over people. He's just also like that much wider than anyone else in the division as well where I think it was even more blatant on the next show when they did the big kind of multi-man tag with him there as well. And then in the post-match, when he was, like, coming up to the champions to kind of challenge for the junior tag battles, where he's just, like, towers over the champions as well. And, yeah, I... But, look, I mean, they want to have him be a junior, pretend that he's a junior, sure, fine. And I think he is actually, like, a nice addition because he can just, like... Overpower everyone very easily in a division, and I think that adds like a nice dimension to it as well. Because I would say previously, kind of the biggest guy in a division, or well, not the biggest guy, but like the most like power guy in a division was Tadaske. So I think it's kind of nice to like now have someone like Tejano in there who can even throw him around. So yeah, I guess it adds a nice little bit of variety, even if it is just kind of weird to have him be classified as a junior. When I don't think he's ever been classified as a junior in any other promotion that he's been in.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like, yeah, for sure.
2: Like, he was very clearly a heavyweight when he was in... And like, he obviously has always been a heavyweight in AAA uh, and at CMLL as well. And I don't think, like, yeah, he was also he a heavyweight when he was in Lucha Underground as well. So it's, it's just weird that Noah's just, like, bring him in and be like, yeah, this guy's a junior, and he just stands there, and it's like, are you sure about that?
1: <laughs> and I'm so I was actually sort of surprised he's pinned Tadasuke because Ohara seems to often be the fall guy, and Tadasuke somewhat protected. But I don't know if there's anything to read into I that. I would say, know. like,
2: I think it was just more like to establish him properly because, yeah, as I said, like Ohara is just the fall guy for the Congo juniors, so I don't think Tejano really gets anything out of pinning Ohara, whereas that's a bit of a bigger statement that he actually pins Tadasuke
1: the next match after that was called the loser ring name stripping match, uh, how defeated Neil slash now Hiroki slash high 69 in 16 minutes and three seconds with the Tatsumaki and, um, Hiroki or Neo also lost his hair as a result. Um, this was good. I don't think it quite got it as good as the match. They had a month or two back that I felt was a lot heated, but you know, I thought it was a satisfying conclusion to their storyline.
2: Yeah, definitely. I also agree that it wasn't as good as the match they had at the beginning of the year. The time limit draw, that just yeah, just felt a lot more heated than this did. Like they, it still was a really really good match, but it never got to that next year that I really felt it needed. Uh, still was the right decision, though. Uh, was a good finish to the story, as you said. Uh, but they, I feel like, for in the post match, they really should have not. Gotten cheap on this uh, on the uh, hair cutting machine that they got him because that just <laughs> didn't work at all. Like like how just didn't manage to get any hair off of High 69. Like so much so that he got like fed up High 69 and he just left the ring and it was just like, yeah, yeah, sure, you you cut off like a few strands of my hair. That has to be good enough for now because otherwise we're just going to be here for like 15 more minutes. So, or maybe they should have just given him some clippers so that he can, like, at least cut off the, uh, the ponytail or something like that. Uh, yeah, that was, like, my only, my biggest criticism. Like, the match itself, it was, it was a good match. Uh, it was not a great match. With, to be honest, I kind of had low-key expectations it could be. Uh, but it just, yeah, never got to that next gear. But it was a really good match and, to me, the right decision as well.
1: And then after that we had extreme tiger defeating seki yoshioka in 11 minutes and 31 seconds with a tijuana lock uh, extreme Tiger's over 40 so he has to be considered to be in the title hunt in this company
2: he's a little um, young for that
1: i thought yeah that's true um i thought this was pretty good um and a good introduction to extreme tiger i don't know if feels like yoshioka is a fall guy that really shouldn't be a fall guy but The match established Tiger well, and I thought he looked good.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I didn't really feel anything strongly about this match. I think, to me, Extreme Tiger is someone that is, like, he's good. Like, he's a solid wrestler. Like, he always somehow, like, to me, his matches always feel like they fall short of expectations in a way. And this was another one of those matches as well, where... I came in being like, okay, this actually has like low-key chances of like being one of the best matches on the show, and I don't think it was that. It was just kind of average, really. Uh, yeah, I guess it ex- established Extreme Tiger. Not sure how much he is going to be a regular Noah going forward. I think out of everyone, out of all of the kind of juniors that have come and in new into the promotion recently of all of the uh, foreigners that have come into NOAA Now he was the one that looked the weakest. Uh, Not that he looked bad, bad, but I think everyone else just did that much better. So I think that yeah. kind of made it a little bit disappointing as well. Um, I mean, he obviously like has probably will have like more chance to really show what he can do, but this was just kind of okay. It was just just average. It was just there.
1: And I think after this point, the the show really picked up uh, because then we had Noah versus Zebrats. Shun, Skywalker, SB, Kento, and Hio defeated Daisuke, Harada, Alejandro, and Junta Miyawaki in 25 minutes when Skywalker used the SSW on Miyawaki. Uh, This was awesome. Uh, Zebrats are just incredible heels. I thought Shun was an incredible heel here against the Noah team. I think Harada especially looked incredible against all of these guys. And, you know, and Alejandro did the flying mostly for the NOAA team. And I think a lot of people expected Milwaukee to take the fall here or maybe Alejandro would. But, yeah, just awesome. And the mat- the show picked up here and just really great stuff.
2: Yeah, I thought this was amazing as well. Uh, I think this got, like, like, the next three matches, like, that was just, like, a really, like, great set of matches. And it just really kicked off nicely here obviously the dragon gate guys are good at like these kinds of like freeway tag matches because that just is kind of the dragon gate special basically uh i think they really excelled here as well i'm happy that they got the win as well because that means they're going to be regulars or not regulars but they're going to kind of keep working and noah going forward yeah yeah that's a great sign i think they're great additions to the division especially those three like those are three of my favorites in Dragon Gate, so I'm happy to see them more Noah going forward. It's also like a sign of like this continuing relationship between Noah and Dragon Gate. Uh, it's actually um, uh, it's actually Los Paras del Mal, so Eita, Nosawa, and Kotaro Suzuki, are going to challenge for the Triangle Gate Championship in Dragon Gate. So, it's like that the relationship is also carrying over into Dragon Gate itself now as well, so I think that really just shows that it's just getting stronger and stronger. Uh, I wonder actually if they win the Triangle Gate, if we might even get a defense of the Triangle Gate on a Noah show coming out of that. So that would be something really, really cool. So yeah, I'm all in favor of this match. I thought this was a really cool, uh, really, really cool match. and it's. A great sign kind of for the future of the division as well
1: yeah definitely um and then after that we had a three-way match of ninja mac defeating dragon bane and alpha wolf in 18 minutes and three seconds oh this was awesome i mean I, you know if you're going to be some sort of party pooper and say you don't like spot fest fine you know but I mean, this is just too awesome and incredible and fast-paced to ignore. I mean, Ninja Mac is awesome. Dragon Band and Alpha Wolf were good, and I thought in a lot of ways they sort of held the match together while Mac was doing his insane stuff. And they have their sort of... They're brothers, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, so they have their, like, touring match formula. And at first it was like, well, is, is, is Mac going to fit into it? And they were uh, perhaps... They're maturing... And uh, they totally worked Mac into their formula, and it was incredible.
2: Yeah, uh, we mentioned in the preview that we were going to be afraid that like they're just going to like t- like they're going to have Mac do a bunch of spots at the start, and then just toss him to the outside, and then Alpha Wolf and Dragon Rain are just going to have a match for ten minutes, and then Mac comes back for the finish. And luckily, that's not what they did here at all. I think everyone got kind of equal chance to shine, uh, but I do think that the one that really impressed me the most in this was Ninja Mac. Uh, And I think also he was the one that impressed the fans the most because he got, like, again, the sign now that you really impress someone in Japan now is that if you get people to just break the COVID rules and just actively make noise. And when he did the Ninja Bomb, people just audibly gasped. (laughs) Like, that was one of the loudest reactions on the entire show.
1: Yeah, because unless um, these people were watching, like, GCW or something, they wouldn't know, have any idea. They might have seen Alpha Wolf or Dragon Bane, but they definitely probably had not seen Mac. Yeah. So he had made one hell vote, uh, of a um, first impression. And, all, and I guess this is jumping ahead a bit, but I I was watching, uh, well, it's now yesterday's Noah show, uh, Kaido Kiyomiya versus Ninja Mac. And there were several people in the, sign, uh, in the crowd with ninja yeah, mask signs.
2: Which is insane. Like, he's getting over, like, this quickly. But, I mean, he just really showed off just his insane athleticism. Like, some of the stuff that he can do, like, it's, it's crazy. Uh, like, he's obviously, like, he's still very raw and has, like, a lot of, like, like, this kind of spot fest is perfect for him. But I think what he's really going to benefit from, as you said, is really, like, for example, what he did on yesterday's Noah show. Like, working with someone like Kaito. Which is not something that he can ever do uh, on the U.S. Indies, or he won't really get that many chances to do on the U.S. Indies, where he's not—he he will just always be put in these kind of spot-fest matches. Whereas when he goes to Japan, he is actually like will actually be able to work like matches proper against really great wrestlers, and that's just really going to help him. Like I think now I'm really confident that actually Ninja Mag like he's going to benefit so much from this Nova run where I think it yeah this yeah
1: yeah Yeah. it's going to turn him into a star and I mean that's
2: really been like a thing like a long kind of storied road to success as like kind of for these kind of spot monkey guys like him to go to Japan and learn to work properly while still like retaining like that crazy athleticism and just kind of becoming better workers for doing that like just have like perfect examples like with guys like uh, Ricochet or Will Osprey, like, like we are like really going to Japan, like learning to work properly there, and just becoming even better wrestlers. Like, do I know if Ninja mac is going to get to that level? No, but I do think like he's definitely going to become like a much better worker from being a Noah, and he's already Super Over, so I would actually expect him to act like. Noah obviously sees that, like he's obviously going to come back. Uh,
1: yeah, he he's leaving uh either sooner or in a week or two and then he, but he said he'll be back in July, I believe. Yeah,
2: and I I could definitely see them even trying to turn that an even longer run now going forward. Where I don't know if they were ever planning to like have him have like a more long-term run, but I think they very clearly have to do that now. And I wouldn't be even be surprised if he gets like a title shot like relative like this year as well. Or I would definitely guess he would get a junior title shot next year at the very
1: latest. Oh, he's already talking about it, so I think it's coming sooner rather than later.
2: So, yeah, I'm definitely, like, I'm definitely bullish now on the Ninja Mac run in Noah. Like, I think this has a potential to, like, be something really, really special.
1: Yeah. In the next match for the GHC junior heavyweight tag team title, Yoshinari Ogawa and Chris Ridgeway defeated at Sushi Katoge and Yohei in 33 minutes and 41 seconds with a stretch muffler from Ridgeway on um, Katoge. Is that right? Because weren't they working over Yohei's leg the entire match?
2: Yeah. No, I'm actually trying to think about the finish. No, but I do think it is actually Katoge that tapped out.
1: Okay. Because I, I this is the results that yeah. I pulled. Um but yeah, I mean, uh, regardless of who the finish was uh, performed on, I thought this match was my match of the night. It was incredible. I mean, I could see people saying it went too long. Okay. But I just loved Ogawa and Ridgeway destroying Yohei's leg for the entire time. And then, you know, they made like a a comeback um, in the last third of the match, but it was just a clinic to me. And I didn't mind the length at all. Uh, my match of the night for yeah, sure.
2: This was my match of the night as well. And it's something that I really loved about the show is kind of just this variety of styles that you got. Because you had like you had like this crazy spot fest in the previous match. Uh, You had kind of more like Power Junior stuff early on in the card and you had like your uh, you had like the technical wrestling clinic being put on here by Ogawa and Ridgeway. So like you have like your Ogawa kind of just really showing off what he can do and Ridgeway like as well kind of being really, like, I think Ogawa and Rage just look really, really great here, like, they should just be on top of the division, or they should just hold these spells for like quite a while. Uh, uh, Yeah, lengthwise, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see why people think this went long, but like, again, like, if you just like Ogawa grappling, this was really the match for you, and I think Kotoga and Yohei were like, great to face off here as well because both of them are like they're really good at like selling and being like kinda of the underdog baby faces. Whereas Rage Ray and Ogawa were just really tearing both of them apart uh with all of their like different holes and everything and just really working them over heavily. And I did actually get a feeling that maybe we were, like because they were so dominant that we were gonna have uh Kotoga and Yohei managing to come back and do like the baby face comeback and just barely managing to escape with the titles. But then they just like, their comeback was just cut off ruthlessly by Ogawa and Ridgeway, and then they just went in there for the finish. And I think this was a really great showcase for Ridgeway. Like, obviously Ogawa was great, as he always is, but I think really went a long way of, like, establishing Ridgeway again, Noah, and just really putting him over strong that he got the win here as well, and uh, as a tap-out as well. So, yeah, I thought this was a really great match. Uh, uh, I would actually come close to maybe saying it was like the best match on either of the sh- either of those two shows. Uh, and it was a really great way of like establishing the new junior tag title match. And it was definitely like the best junior tag title match that I've seen in like a while as well. Like I thought Johan and Kotoga had like a really good reign, but it just feels like Ogawa and Rich Ray like that's a team right up my alley and really looking forward to what they're going to do. Uh, during a title reign.
1: Uh, right. Well, I think there's some direction to their title reign, as we'll get into in a bit. And also, I'll just say, if you like the Kaito Kiyomiya versus uh, Yoshinori Ogawa matches and think don't think they went too long, you'll love this, I, I guess, sort of as a point of comparison to something that's you know the closest thing that Noah has done recently, I guess. Um, and our main event for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title Hayata defeated Eita in 28 minutes and eight seconds with a headache to win the title. I think this is like Ada doesn't even make a successful defense of the title. Um, yeah, this went too long. I know I appreciate Ada's blade job because you don't just get a lot of blade jobs in, in Japanese wrestling, um, even especially in the main events, if, if it's a non hardcore um, promotion type thing, I should say. Uh, but, I mean, there were some decent and good sequences here, but it was just like brawling through large swaths of this, I thought. It just failed to pull me in. You know, I mean, I'm on record as not being a guy that likes of that much, uh, but I was expecting a little more out of this because Ada was in there. I mean, it wasn't bad, but, like, if I had to give it a rating, maybe a three or three and a quarter.
2: Yeah, I also thought it was just okay. Ada is actually kind of an underrated hardcore brawler. So, when I saw him getting blood, I thought this would like be like a signal to kick the match into next gear, and then it just didn't. It just kind of kept working kind of with the same intensity as they had before. They didn't even like pull out that many like gimmicks as well like normally when Ata kind of does this kind of stuff, he gets out his his board with barbed wire and everything and didn't even get that like they just kind of worked it like a normal match after that um yeah it was just kind of an okay match. Like, I guess Ata just did the best that he could with someone like Hayata. And, yeah, I mean, it felt like Ata trying to do his match, and then it was just Hayata just not being willing or being able to do anything besides, like, his style of match, and it just became a Hayata match after a while, and it was just kind of okay. I mean, it definitely, yeah. I mean, it definitely was a disappointment given that this was the main event of a Sumo Hall show. Like, if we graded by the standards of a like Sumo Hall main event, then this was, like, a massive disappointment. But if we just look at the match just by itself, then it was an okay match.
1: Yeah, I just knocked 10 minutes off of it, and it would have been fine. There was no reason to go 28 minutes especially, yeah. right?
2: I mean, but even then, like, um, I would have just said it's an okay match. Like, I don't think that would have, like, improved the match all that much
1: probably not but it wouldn't have felt as dragging on as it did at points for sure though
2: but i mean then again like i mean it probably just felt like it had to go like nearly 30 minutes because it's a it's the main event and it's sumo hall so i get i get why they had it go long but yeah it definitely did not help the match that's for sure uh
1: so that's the first night uh majestic and innovation i mean i thought this was a really good show i mean it's People have many jokes to make about the Noah Junior Division, but it can deliver when it's called upon. Generally, and I thought all of the talent that they brought in—not just the Dragon Gate guys, but the the foreigners as well—really added a freshness to it that uh, Noah was needing.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say like the effort that Noah has been making since the beginning of the year to really elevate the Junior Division. Like I think it definitely has to be called a success. Uh, I think. The Junior Division, to me, like it's actually one of my favorite parts of No One Now. Uh, and this show really like, top to bottom, I think I prefer this show to the second show. Like I think because it's just, there was just such great variety on this show and just this... Like the, freeway, like the free match stretch of like, the, from the Dragon Gate Tag over the free Freeway Spot uh, fast to the Junior Tag Title match, that was just a really great one. Of matches and it just really showed kind of the heights that that division can get to, Uh, and I hope this like I hope that Noah also sees this as a success and that they just keep kind of pushing the junior division strongly and maybe they're gonna get like another big show. Like I don't know if they're gonna give them like another sumo hall show, but I think they've definitely earned the right to like have more bigger kind of junior only shows going forward.
1: I would say give them a Corican haul yeah. each quarter, four times a year. Yeah,
2: I think that that's a really great decision. But make it make it a weekend Corican, not a midweek Corican. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, it is Golden Week. Happy Golden Week, Paul. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why, you know, all Japan can do 986 uh, fans at an 11.30 a.m. show on a Wednesday. <laughs> but which I think also goes to the point to some of the numbers and like the and shows that are coming up for Noah and some other Korakin shows. It's just hard drawing in Tokyo right now, especially in Korkin.
2: Yeah. No, but I do think they've kind of earned the right to like, yeah, have like their own core show going forward. And then maybe like you can also like have them run like, I don't know, like a bigger building in Osaka as well. So just to like see what they can do there, if they kind of maybe like
1: they, they should do well. a You know, it would be a great troll if they go ran a show in Kobe.
2: Who? Well, to be fair, I mean, you do have a good relationship with,
1: uh, well, no, but that's, but it's the point yeah. to do it as like a troll, oh. like a, you know, yeah. obviously you like dragon gate guys on the show, but you know, you, you do it to heat up the rivalry.
2: I mean, I would, if you do like a triangle gate defense in Noah, like I would probably do it in Kobe in that case.
1: Yeah, that would get, well, I was going to say heat, but you can't really get heat right now. But it it would be really interesting to see what, if you did like an N innovation show in Kobe, once you had uh, the crowd could make noise and see what that would get. So now we move into night two of Noah Majestic at Sumo Hall, 2,077 fans. I guess this is the lower end of acceptable.
2: Yeah, like I said, like my expectations were definitely raised by what the junior show drew, and my line was basically anything under 2,000 fans was going to be a disappointment and they managed to cross that line by 77 people so i think this was a solid number um i wouldn't call it a massive success either because ddt drew 500 people more now obviously yep. ddt put the biggest match they could on top
1: and it was the 25th anniversary and it was the show. 25th
2: anniversary show so obviously like they were gonna have like the biggest number there but yeah I mean it's a solid like it's not a disappointment obviously Uh, it is just it is within line of expectations basically
1: also the main event changed a couple days before yeah
2: exactly like that obviously doesn't help the walk up That obviously. Fuji
1: Fuji is not a draw but it doesn't help no and also because
2: they like literally didn't even fully announce this the main event for this one until like the end like they announced it at the end innovation show so Yeah, because
1: I'm sure some things were happening backstage about what they were gonna do and if they were gonna vacate the time.
2: Yeah, they, were, they, were, they strongly teased obviously that it was gonna be go with kaito but they never like they didn't actually yeah. like officially announce it until the day before. Which again, obviously that's not gonna help with like late stage ticket ticket sales either. Right.
1: So to open we had uh Slex and Kai Fujimura defeating Alejandro and yasutaku yano Uh with the close of the business on Slex against Yano in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Close of business is um, Cobra Clutch. And I thought this was another good opener. Uh, Slex continues to seem to get over with the sunglasses. He puts some sunglasses on Fujimura, and Alejandro and Yano look great and is just perfect for getting Slex over some more.
2: Yeah, I'm just like, I do like the sunglasses gimmick. I think he has to be kind of careful to not kind of accidentally like put himself into a comedy role with it. Because uh, like I have, a, like sometimes I get the feeling like there's definitely like a point where you can overdo the sunglasses gimmick and it becomes a bit too much DDT rather than Noah. Yeah. Uh, so like that's just something to pay, I think is something he should like be careful of. But like otherwise, yeah, he's definitely like he's getting over with it. And he kind of used both of these shows to kind of establish two finishers, which... Is a good idea. good idea. So, yeah, no, yeah. good match overall. Uh,
1: the next match was the Congo team of Manabu Soya, Tadasuke, and Hajime Ohara defeating uh, Funky Express, King Tane, Mohamed Yone, and Akatoshi Saito. 12 minutes and 55 seconds uh, with Soya pinning Yone after the dando. I mean, this is every other Funky Express match you've ever seen. There's nothing really to say about it. No, I well, it was, I was just
2: surprised that they lost the match because I actually expected Ohara to get pinned here. Right. But yeah, maybe that means they might want to like do something more with Soya as well. So.
1: In the next match, uh, Stinger, Hayata, Yoshinari Ogawa, Chris Rudra, and Seki Yoshioka defeated uh, Peros, or sorry, and Yuya Susumu defeated Peros Damal de Hippon, Nosawa, Eita, Tejano Jr., Kotaro Suzuki, and Super Crazy uh, by disqualification in 9 minutes and 28 seconds. This was just an angle. <laughs> To show that Peros and Stinger really hate each other.
2: I mean, it's like every Peros and Stinger match ever. Like, it's lit, it, literally any multi-man tag between these two. Is like, it's never actually a match. It's literally just mm-hmm. a prolonged angle every single time.
1: Well, this one annoyed me because it's like, this is something you do in Korg and Hall, not at Sumo Hall, to me.
2: Yeah, but then again, it it was also just more of a thing to, like, set up a match as well. So, right. like, it really was just, like, the goal here was to set up. Uh, Tejano and Super Crazy versus Rich Ray and Ogawa. And again, like when Tejano stepped up to Ogawa and Rich Ray and he's just like standing there in front of Rich (laughs) Ray and it's just looking down at him. Sure, this guy's a junior. Sure, Noah.
1: Next match uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Kendo Kashin defeated the the Dragon Gate team of Masaki uh, Mochizuki and Don Fuji in six minutes and 47 seconds with a schoolboy from caution on mochizuki uh trivia note this is the don fuji's first ever match in noah
2: what a what a um, debut in noah
1: yeah i know this is just a waste of a match given what this could have been i can't even believe that caution pin mochizuki here uh, he, he, he I, god you talk about can politic this guy's a 50 year old like never was that big a star and he's not even doing jobs yeah um, Sakuraba and Kendokashin came out dressed exactly the same, both wearing the super strong machine uh, Sakuraba masks, so they're doing that gimmick now. Oh man, it's just disappointing because I thought this could have been a lot more fun.
2: Yeah, no, I I was actually like, I knew it was a Kendokashin match, but I was like, I mean, Don Fuji's in there, and like, how do you have a bad match with Don Fuji? And then Kashin somehow managed to pull that off. And it's also like, the thing with Kendokashin is like, Okay, I get, like, all of the other shooters, because they were, like, legit fighters, like, Kendo Kashin, like, f- fucking awful. He was a terrible MMA fighter. He lost to Katsuyori Shibata, who was also a terrible MMA fighter.
1: Like, he got one lucky win off of a minor Gracie. Yes, <laughs> who got injured. It. Like, he yeah. didn't
2: even beat him. Like, his opponent got injured, and that's how he won the match. Like, Fujita, like, Fujita fall all fall. like, Fujita was a legit fighter in Pride. Like, he was a legit guy. Obviously, Sakuraba, massive fucking MMA star. Like, Funaki, like, fucking invented MMA. Like, I get it for all those guys. I don't get it for Kashin Like, he's just another one of those guys that, like, tried to do MMA. Was re- like, he was another one of those wrestling guys who tried to do MMA. He was really horrible at it. And he just somehow parlayed that into like never taking a fall over. i just and he was never a good wrestler either he was never a good wrestler he was never a good fighter he was never a draw. He was never anything and yet somehow he just i don't know i i just don't get it
1: now well, it's who your friends are i
2: guess
1: <laughs> so yeah the next match after that uh Rene Dupree and El Hijo de Dr. Wagner Jr. making their triumphant return to Noah defeated Masato Tanaka and Daiki Ab in 10 minutes and 51 seconds with a moonsault press from Wagner on Inaba. Um, Yeah, this was just sort of established and set up, bringing in back Dupree and Wagner. I thought it was like a fine three-star match. I will say uh, Wagner... Is certainly a. I can't call him great, but he's certainly a much better wrestler than he was when he first came into Noah back in was it 2018 or something. Yeah, I thought he was really bad then, so he deserves marks for improving. Rene Dupree is Rene Dupree. I mean, he's perfectly serviceable, but I wouldn't stick him in like long stretches. But he's fine in a tag team. And, you know, there's not much else to say. I, I don't think.
2: Yeah, I think that really it just sums up the Dupree and Wagner team. It's like they're perfectly okay. Uh... I don't, yeah, uh, yeah, they're perfectly okay, <laughs> actually just thinking yeah. if I can find one, but, like, no, they're, they're perfectly mid, like, that's what they are.
1: Yeah, they're not embarrassing, but they're no. not thrilling.
2: Like, I get why they want to establish them again, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, after, the, after they're properly established, like, I would just have them be, like, a mid-card tag team, and they're perfectly fine for that.
1: yeah. Uh, and Ad- Naba takes another pin. I think in a year from now we should sit down and have a round table on just who got screwed the most by the closure of Wrestle One among the uh the ex uh, members of the roster. Well it's
2: clearly not Rene
1: Dupree. No, clearly not Rene Dupree. Uh in the next match, uh, he made it somehow. Michael Halkin defeated Masakidami in twelve minutes and thirty three seconds with an Algan bomb. I mean this is a good match I and mean, regardless of thoughts on Algin aside, you know, I mean they tried to do like the big like two hoss match two hosses going at it and sort of packed that into twelve minutes. It it there was hard hits. It did exactly what it was supposed to do in terms of getting Elgin over, you know, with a triumphant win. And after the match, like Algin carries Kidmita to the back and then they they did in their backstage comments and this got tweeted out by Noah. They have formed a tag team
2: yeah uh, I mean, I don't think there's much of a point of like relitigate everything about like Elgin like it, like eventually, But he's not going anywhere no, yeah. it, that's for sure i mean not for now, like eventually he will yeah. manage to burn this bridge, but until then like he is a member of the roster, and noah obviously doesn't give a shit so
1: well yeah. see here's here's the thing about burning bridges. he was offered another new japan contract he just decided not to resign, so it could just be a Fair, case that yeah. he decides to so if anything if it, it could just be a case he decides to give up on yeah. Noah.
2: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean this was a this was a good match overall. Uh it as I said it did what it was supposed to, it put up put over Elgin. I think Elgin just like was really impressive just the way he just tossed around Kitamiya around the ring. Uh, I think Kitamiya sold sold it really well as well. Uh yeah. Put over Elgin strongly. A Kitamiya Elgin team, I mean that could be something. I'm curious where that goes. I actually didn't expect Elgin to like a tag team right away. I actually would have expected him to like go for a singles title, but it might yeah. be that they have him go for the tag titles first.
1: I think that's where that's, this is headed. Um, so the match after that, uh, the next match was the GHC national title. Masakatsu Funaki defeated Simon Gotch in 9 minutes and 47 seconds uh, from a referee stop from a sleeper hold. I guess I have to retract what I said from Simon Gotch. I thought he's looked well in Noah, and I thought he looked well in here. I think that's... Partially due to the sort of quality of opponents he's facing. Like, you know, doing this stuff against guys on the Indies, regardless of gotcha's ability, it's like you have American indie guys trying to do like shoot style and martial arts stuff, which is very different when you get into the sort of, you know, quality of wrestlers in Japan. So, you know, I like, I went three and a half stars on this. I thought this was fun, good match.
2: Yeah, it was okay. I mean, yeah, obviously, like, if you want to do shoot style, like, there's no one really better to like get in there and Fanaki like literally the guy that like more or less invented shoot style <laughs> so yeah he was in Yeah, there. so I think that's like probably like the best guy for like God to go up against uh, I think kind of style wise he fits in really well the Noah so uh, I mean his look I mean it's certainly a choice he...
1: <laughs> okay so he's got I guess what's called the devil lock which is like popularized by the band the Misfits it looks, like, horrible on him. He might as well just put on, like, makeup to make himself look like a zombie, sort <laughs> of, to, to lean into the gimmick. Um, yeah, he's got to get rid of the hair, but other than that, he's looked good. Yep, yeah, I and, think this uh, was a perfectly acceptable
2: this... match. Uh, like, I don't think it was, like, a he... really great match, but I think it definitely, like, exceeded my expectations that I had for this match, which obviously, well, not super high. But I think he, like, adapted to the style well, and I think he, he's going to be fine in Noah.
1: Yeah, uh, he's exceeded my expectations already. And actually, he was actually because on the the junior show they had like sort of a parade of uh, the foreigners doing commentary, and I thought he was like the best one of all the foreigners who did commentary. Yeah,
2: no, is it like he, uh, it was was also very clear that like he did his homework, like that he yeah. that he was a reg- like obviously unsurprisingly he was a regular Noah watcher before he came into Noah. Like I think that makes perfect sense that like Simon Gotch was watching Noah before. Like I think that's not a surprise. But yeah, he, he just felt like a guy that knew what he was talking about. Like some of the other guys, like, I don't feel like I had Rene, really good idea.
1: Rene Dupree was awful. <laughs> yeah, Rene Dupree. He's just like, oh, look at that and stuff like that, you know. Yeah.
2: I also love, like, the best part of that was the Rene Dupree, like, plugging Wrestle Universe on a show airing on Wrestle Universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks, so Rene. Good. Well,
1: it was probably, was it on Obima as well? Yeah. I
2: don't well, the English feed definitely wasn't.
1: No, that's yeah. true. Uh, also, one thing I will give Gotch credit for, consummate professional. Because like at one point, like Fulton and Pickering were like wanted to talk about Gotch and what he was feeling, mm. but he's like mm, he was like trying to steer it back to cover the action. Yeah,
2: no, I think that that was yeah. I, I fit. I thought he did really well in that one. Like I think actually out of across both shows, out of all of the like guest commentators they brought in, like he was easily the best one. Because they brought in some people like on this show as well to do guest commentary and bless Chris Ridray's heart. He's he's a great wrestler, but he's not a great pro and he's an even worse commentator.
1: <laughs> yeah. I hope uh they should bring in Akatoshi Saito uh as sometime on English commentary, because I've heard his English is quite good. I think that would be kinda cool. Yeah.
2: Who was it again, the guy that they brought in on this show out of the Japanese guys to do commentary?
1: Oh, I can't remember now. It wasn't the guy that does, like, Tokyo Joshi commentary, was it?
2: No. Oh,
1: it was a wrestler? Yeah, I think
2: it was a wrestler, but I don't remember who it was. I just remember that basically said nothing. I can't remember, oh, God, said I can't remember now.
1: Uh, oh, who was it? Maybe it was Saito. Cy- no.
2: No, because Saito's English is good. Like, and this was not yeah. a guy who had good English.
1: I'm trying to think. I can't remember now. Uh, it'll come to me, maybe. Yeah.
2: I mean, again, but that also shows, like, how un- unmemorable that spot on commentary was as well. Um, But yeah, no, I I thought Gotch, like, yeah, definitely Gotch exceeded expectations both on commentary and in the ring, so good job out of him.
1: And then we had uh, the team of Dragon Bane, Alpha Wolf, Extreme Tiger, and Ninja Mac defeating Daisuke Harada, Atsushi Kotoge, Yohei, and Junta Miyawaki in 16 minutes and 33 seconds with Bane, Dragon Bane pinning Miyawaki. (laughs) Another great, just, showcase for these guys um, you know Ninja Back did his thing and probably got over the most out of all of them but it was just you know non-stop action and everything and what exactly it needed to be at this point in the show I think
2: mm-hmm. I think he also like shook hands with Farada after the match yes so I, I would definitely expect him to be like a guy that is going to be like in the Noah Jr. Uh, like home army so just obviously like you want to have him be a baby like just a clear cut baby face just the like, way he gets over um yeah, I thought this was a real just a really good showcase for like the foreigners coming in. Like like this was very clearly the focus of the match to just like give all of them a chance to kinda like get in, like familiarize the crowd with the signature spots. Um yeah. Yeah, they did they did do that well and yeah, the match did what it was supposed to do and it was just like a really nice, good spot fast and established the guys
1: well. And next we found out the the identity of the biggest X ever? Uh, Naomichi Marafuji and Satoshi Kojima defeated Yoshiki Inamura and Kenya Okada in 15 minutes and one second with obviously a lariat from Kojima on Okada. Um, uh, Kojima has... He's going to be in NOAA full-time. We don't know if that is a real jump. Well, he was announced as New Japan's. So a soft jump or an easing in type thing where like with Akiyama, he was lent. He was lent out to gdt but then he just joined at the beginning of the following year in 2021 when his all japan contract would have expired so i don't know i mean kojima has jumped before i know that he left all japan originally to go back to new japan over money issues so i don't know what his actual relationship with muto is these days But sometimes times heals wounds obviously so I don't know we'll have to see what happens with Kojima I don't really have a good read on it
2: yeah I mean it is wrestling like apparently like Shingo and Shima can patch up their relationship like I'm sure Muto and Kojima can as well especially because money shouldn't be an issue in Noah uh, given the cyber fight backing like I actually expect this to be kind of yeah a soft jump where it's like oh yeah I'm New Japan Satoshi Kojima and But now I'm wrestling in NOAH and I'm never wrestling in New New Japan for some reason. And then I just expect by like the new year they will just make it official then. Um, In terms of like this being the biggest X ever, I love Kojima. He is legitimately one of my all-time favorites. Like I, when I was at All Out uh, and I saw him wrestling Moxley, like I just went very loud when kojima came out and i didn't really go very loud when kojima came out here <laughs> uh i was just yeah i heard music i was like oh it's it's kojima it's like that's cool now to be fair probably was a bit of a victim of expectations yep
1: uh, well it's funny because uh when kojima came out people were speculating that x was supposed to be uh osprey <laughs> because it's like well why is kojima this big axe
2: yeah i mean but like it seems like yes kojima was always the plan like yeah, obviously he, kojima, kojima was, was always, always the plan, plan. like given yeah, yeah. given like everything that they've done and everything so like ob- so yeah i mean i wouldn't even say if osprey would have been the biggest Except, eh, i mean it definitely would have been it would have been a bigger, bigger surprise it would, bigger. it would have been a bigger surprise yeah um yeah no i mean with all of that said like i think they just kind of like set them to be fair they did set themselves up to fail with just like the way where they were just like massively hyping this now with that being said i do think kojima is a great addition to the roster like he can still go uh obviously he's right in the perfect age range to go for the uh, ghc title <laughs> so but he's also someone that can still go on a really high level and as i mentioned like kojima is one of my all-time favorites so i'm happy that he's now in a promotion that will actually push him so yeah no i, I do think he's like a great addition to the roster so i'm happy to see him and Noah overall
1: so i guess the question is do you think it's looks bad to have a guy that was beaten by a drum all of a sudden come into another company and then be challenging for the world title I would
2: say no, because it is still Kojima. Like, I think he's... Yeah, he was getting beaten like a drum in New Japan, but he's also Satoshi Kojima, so he's kind of Teflon. Right. And so then, I think just him being a new promotion just gives him instantly gives him new credibility.
1: For sure. And uh, he might actually win the GHC title, do you think? Oh, I fully expect him to. I and then M- Mudo him. versus Kojima in the Budokan in July? Yeah. So uh, I can't wait to start trolling on twitter and being like the game play the game all japan main event in 2020 in 2002 or no main event in 2022
2: (laughs) i mean definitely because i mean fujita is probably gonna get like a shot against uh uh against uh uh kojima as well
1: yeah um as for the match I mean it was a lot of fun I mean seeing Inamura and Kojima go at it was great and I thought Okada actually worked really hard here to try to like well unsuccessfully try to prove that he could go toe to toe with Kojima
2: yeah no, I've, and, and again that really shows like like Kojima's like a great addition because it just instantly like it felt like, su- like such a fresh match just from him being in there uh, yeah you already showed that he has like great chemistry with like two people on the roster who are probably like well I mean we don't know for Okada, but like Inamura he's definitely gonna like have a singles match with Inamura at some point. I think that's going to be a great match. Uh yeah, I as I said, like I'm happy that Kojima's there in there. He just didn't quite fulfill the expectations for the biggest X ever. But he's a great addition to the roster and it just like it just just him being there, like it freshens things up.
1: Uh, so Kojima and Inamura on the um, what will be on today's Korokin while we're recording, actually. Oh, yeah. I forgot it's... that
2: they're already doing it. But that being
1: said, it's the only match on that show of any interest.
2: Yeah. But I mean, it, and it's also kind of clear who's going to get the win there.
1: <laughs> of course. And now for our semi-main event, a match that set the internet on fire. <laughs> Uh, The GHC tag team titled Takashi Sugera and Hideki Suzuki defeated Keno and Katsuhiko Nakajima in... um, Oh, I don't have the time in front of me. But it was like 20-something minutes. And, um, you know, uh, obviously, infamously... 18 18 18 of
2: those minutes were just Hideki holding the pin on Nakajima. Yeah,
1: 18 of those minutes were just holding... Yeah, double-arm suplex from uh, Suzuki on Nakajima... Okay, first, before we get into the incident, I will say this match was awesome. I went four stars. (laughs) Like, I don't... I think Nakajima just seemed like he... And and Keno, too, just seemed like... And, of course, reports are that they are pissed, but they really took it out on Suzuki, which I thought really (laughs) sort of made this match, actually, right? And it was... Obviously, Sugara is Sugara, and Hideki is a great wrestler. I I would never deny that. I've gone five stars on a Hideki-Suzuki match before. Um, But, obviously, you know, so this was a great Match, obviously the the finish Nakajima doing a job before with uh, to Hideki after Hideki refused to do a job in a singles match to Nakajima and then Suzuki just lying there for like ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: Uh Yeah, I I love this match as well. Um, I agree that it was the it was definitely the best match on this show and I think it was also the best match on either of those shows. I think I would just put it slightly ahead of the junior tag title match, but I thought both of those matches were great. It just This one, I think I just slightly preferred. Uh, yeah, as I said, like Keno and Nakajima were just really laying their stuff in. Uh, I think that really helped the match as well, and uh, I think Segura and Tideki have just great chemistry as well. Like I think they actually match up style was really well as a team. Uh, Where just Hideki is obviously more like the grappler, and then you have Segura being more of the power guy, and I think that's always a great dynamic, just gives like a good variety to the matches. Um, Yeah, I thought actually Kano and Nakajima, like they actually got a lot in this match. Like they actually like got to show off a lot of their offense. Um, Obviously then, Suzuki kind of holding the pin on Nakajima didn't bother me as much as it did as a people was kind of a shit move but i mean it's it's hideki suzuki like it just kind of comes with the territory i think it's it's being like who does hideki suzuki think he is well hideki suzuki thinks he's hideki suzuki and hideki suzuki thinks hideki suzuki is the shit so he's gonna do it like it's just
1: a combination of things. I think in isolation, it wouldn't have been as uh, bad. Also...
2: To be fair, I think if he had done it on anyone else, except for Nakajima, people wouldn't have lost their shit as much. That's like true, Like, if too. he had done the same thing on Kano, like, people probably would have been pissed, but he wouldn't have been as pissed as, uh, yeah, as they would have been here.
1: Well, so for among... Because I was thinking about this earlier. Among international fans, would you say that, like... And I don't know what order to put them in, but but... Keno and Nakajima are like the 1A and 1B of the most loved wrestlers on the NOAA roster by the international fans even more so than Go and Kaito?
2: I would maybe make an argument Kaito ahead of Keno but it is definitely close but Nakajima is like the one, like, N- Nakajima is, like, to me is very clearly, like, the one that is, like, most loved by, like, international right. fans.
1: I see a lot of Keno fans out there, so I would j- Yeah, I, no, I, I there's gotta...
2: absolutely, like, absolutely, but I think Nakajima just has, like, a wider, like, kind of base. I think Keno fans can be, like, a bit more, like, intense in a love for Keno, which right. makes sense, because it's Keno. Um, but I do, f- and so I do feel, like, I also think there's kind of the narrative around, kind of, Nakajima being buried, which obviously stuff like this doesn't help with that. <laughs> so I think that just like makes like anything that happens with Nakajima like I f- do think people have a tendency to just overanalyze anything that happens with Nakajima. Obviously, like but I think that's more relevant for like something like that we're gonna talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um I do think obviously like in this one, yeah that's definitely not a great look for Nakajima that like Hitaki just like holds him down like that. But to be honest, I don't think he did it specifically because I don't know he like hates Nakajima, or there was like a thing coming from the back that he should do it. I feel like he would have done the same to Cano, or he would have done that to like literally anyone else that would have been in this match. If he was told like you're gonna pin that guy, he probably would have done that on like any of them.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, so we move on to the main event for the GHC Heavyweight Title decision match. Goshi Ozaki defeated Kaito Kiyomiya in 30 minutes and 2 seconds with a go-on lariat uh, to become the 38th champion and win the title for a fifth time, which is a new record. Previously, he had uh, shared that record with Sugara with four reigns each. Um, I thought this was actually my match of the night on this show. I went four and a quarter. I thought Kaito worked really hard here trying to make something out of this match. But ultimately, I think what made it from like going into like match of the year candidate is that it just didn't get me on that emotional level. Cause I pretty was quite sure that go was winning. So I think that was sort of a factor here, but I mean, it was just incredible wrestling. And like I say, Kaido well, and go too. but really I think Kyomiya really should get recognized for being one of the best wrestlers in the world.
2: Yeah. I this was a really strong match. I didn't quite like it as much as either tag team title match, to be honest. Uh because as I said it just kinda like it had no build. It had no real intrigue about what the outcome would be to me. So obviously like both men did really well with like what they were given. Uh and it was still a really good match. Like I don't wanna pretend that it was not, but it just like I had like no real like strong emotional connection to exactly. it either. Like that's really what was missing from there. It's like it was two great wrestlers going in there. And having a good match with each other, which is expected, uh, but obviously, like given that like it was literally announced like the day before that this match was actually going to happen, like there's only so much you can really do with that. There's only really so much you can like build to with like in the match if you had no build previously. Like they didn't really have like many interactions or like tag matches or anything that they could like call back to. So yeah, I think they did well with what they were given and. Did, did well given the circumstances but it also like never really like connected with me on that like next level that i could say it was a great match so yeah um it it, it was good Uh, it was really good really really good like if it actually had any build and if there had been any like doubt about the outcome i think then definitely i probably would have rated this match a lot higher but uh, yeah uh, just the way it was it was like really really good but not great
1: yeah like that's sort of like the emotional investments, the dividing line between a very, a very good, excellent match and like match of the year candidate. Right. And and, I, yep. and it came in for me just under that match of the year candidate level, which is like a, I consider like four and a half. Um, so I, I guess we should add the note. I can't remember what match this happened in, but Rob Van Dam is coming in <laughs> for uh, the cyber fight festival in June. And I don't know if this has been confirmed, but I've, hearing some whispers that this isn't just a one shot is
2: RVD really like a guy that is that well known in Japan
1: so he had a run in all Japan in the 90s but like the most he ever did was be like a fall guy and um, yeah. and challenge I think a couple of times for the junior title uh, he worked a all Japan tour with Sabu in early 2001 like as ECW was closing and the only other times he was in Japan was through TNA yeah, so because he was on a Wrestle Kingdom, right?
2: Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, I do remember that that he was on the on the joint Wrestle Kingdom that they did with TNA. So,
1: so he's not an unknown quantity, but but it's not even about how well known he is. He is in rough shape. Oh, he's awful. And well, his last Impact run, which I think was in early 2020, he, he was awful. He had he well. I mean, I've seen people claim that he did this to get out of paying um, like alimony to his wife, but it's probably true he has cte and it's affecting him it's affecting him like yeah that's not a great like i've heard things about him like you know he's off right because he's Mm -hmm. of all the head trauma
2: that's not a great sign either no no but i mean to be fair like the last thing i heard rvd doing was like him coming into ott and like pinning scotty davis so maybe like gonna bring him in and have him pin elgin because he's the yeah, he's the cancel, he's this layer of cancel guys, I guess. Yeah, so maybe I, they're gonna do that.
1: Yeah, but, RVD yeah. Is, seems so quaint in this modern era. Um, but in, in in defense of RVD, uh, CBD oil is now legal in Japan.
2: Oh, really? That's yes. massive,
1: yeah. Actually. And uh, I mean, it's obviously regulated, like. Mm-hmm probably more so than it is in like most other Western countries, but like, Oh yeah,
2: no, you, I can just buy that in like a corner shop here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you need to specialize stores because Zeus's brother opened a CBD store in Osaka actually. Oh yeah. I saw cool. him cause I saw that cause Zeus was promoting it on Twitter mm-hmm. and that's how okay, I found... So
2: now it makes a lot more sense for all of a sudden RVD is willing to get booked in Japan.
1: <laughs> so now, so that's how I found out that CBD oil was actually legalized in Japan because, um, of zeus promoting his brother's store on twitter
2: (laughs) okay that okay that's that's interesting yeah so well and 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 then it makes more sense that rvd might be a more of a regular then
1: when rvd has his own cbd like line, i think or whatever brand it's gonna
2: expand it to japan
1: (laughs) maybe so that's sort of and i guess um since we're on the CyberFight Festival talk, uh, Keno showed up on DDT's Max Bump show, and he'll be facing Daisuke Sasaki.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a really interesting match. I'm actually very really curious how that one's going to go. That has a very good chance of being the best Sasaki singles match ever.
1: <laughs> it does. Uh, Paul, what do you think of this idea, given how everything's going down in NOAA? Keno goes to DDT and basically is the reverse Chris Jericho of being the wrestler among a bunch of sports entertainers. <laughs>
2: that actually would be a lot of fun uh but i think i mean out of all of the know like he is the guy that has crossed over the most regularly into ddt yeah weird as that sounds
1: because uh, i think it's because his mic skills are probably the best
2: yeah uh and yeah he would be like a perfect straight man for like all of the like wacky antics and ddt like i think that actually would be like a really cool thing to see
1: yeah well that's just some speculation in case you know it got too much for kenno um so uh i'm not going to go through the whole show because there's like a lot of stuff that just doesn't matter on the uh may 4th noah dream on 2022 in cork and hall did you see the whole show paul
2: and um, not the entire show but i saw kind of like the uh, the later
1: half of the show okay well i'll just say simon so gotch was kenya okada another good match gotch looked really good uh Nosawa Rangai Tahana Junior Super Crazy defeated Alejandro Jamor and Yuta, uh, Yasutaku Yano This was actually a lot of fun because it, it was like four and a half minutes, and it was just a sprint with like Alejandro and his team just flying around. Uh, Keno and Masakatsu Funaki defeated Kendo Koshin and Slex. Now, here's my issue with this: Slex did the job to Keno, which or which is fine, but. Ke- But here's the thing. This is why it's so stupid that Kashin can't be a job guy, right? But also, because he
2: very clearly needs to take the pin here. Yeah, come on.
1: Okay, but another thing. This was just also a comedy match because, uh, like, how they were wrestling in. um... Kashin came out in the uh, Sakuraba outfit and wore the and wore the Super Strong Machine mask, and so they did the the go up to the balcony thing. And so they actually did mass confusion in the mat, in the match, because Sakuraba was up on the balcony waiting, and then Sakuraba comes down and clearly is wrestling some of the match, and then they do it again, and then like Kashin is the one who is in the ring, is in the ring at the end of the match. It's yeah, that, that so sounds stupid. awful. <laughs> yeah, just a waste of slacks, really, and Keno yeah. too. Um,
2: uh, also, a waste of Funaki, like a waste of yeah. everyone in this match except for Kashin. Yeah. It's even the waste uh, for the referee.
1: <laughs> Dragon Bane, Alpha Wolf, and Extreme Tiger defeated Tadasuke Hajime Ohara, and Hiroki in 10:34 uh, with uh, the Night Wolf on uh, Hiroki from Alpha Wolf. This was pretty good. I mean, it was just like a sprint. Everyone in this match is pretty good. What you would expect from it, keeping the the uh, Luchador strong. Now, he, this is a match that I woke up to and everyone was losing their shit. Seems like a common theme on these Noah shows. Yeah. Michael Algin and Mas and, and Masa defeated Katsuhiko Nakajima and Manabu Soya in nine minutes and twelve seconds with Algen pin Nakajima with an Algin bomb. And not only did Nakajima pin or sorry, Algen pin Nakajima with an Algin bomb after the match, Soya carried Nakajima <laughs> over his shoulders back to the the backstage area. A match was good. Right there was some good like double team action. It was obviously nine minutes. These guys kept a good pace, you know. Obviously, Algin and them are getting um, Algin and are getting a push, but I think just Nakajima doing another job was jarring and inexplicable. If do you think this is an actual angle leading to something?
2: Yeah, I think he's just doing a losing streak. Like I think this was the one for me where like people probably are overreacting a little bit. Like, where people are like over analyzing, and it probably didn't help that it was Elgin that pinned Nakajima, who obviously already has right is not the favorite person of like western fans to pull it mildly for good reason, but like he has pinned Nakajima before, and he is getting a massive push as well, so like him pinning Nakajima to me like it's not egregious, like especially if it's like something that Clearly like Nakajima, like to have him like lose matches and it's gonna lead to like something with Congo and everything. So to me that's more just like a storyline thing. And again, like similar to like Tehano pinning Tadasuke, like on the junior show, like it just has that much more of a statement to have Elgin pin Nakajima rather than have Elgin pin Soya. So I think that was more the angle here to have Elgin pin the former champion. So like that puts him, him over more than if he would pin Sawyer, especially if you have Nakajima be kind of having a bit of a funk right now. So like I think people really kind of lost that shit over this one, and I think it was a bit of an overreaction.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's an angle. I hope it's an angle. Yeah. <laughs> now
2: to be fair the egregious part to me here was Soya carrying about out afterwards. Like, I don't think that was a little unnecessary. It was yeah, a bit her. of a step too far. Like, you can't have elegant Pin, Nakajima, but like, not, don't have him get carried out like a baby by Soya. That's bad. And
1: that sort of added it to the angle part yeah. of it, to me, I think, right? Yeah, no, it, definitely. If, the, yeah. if this was punishment or something, like, I was like, Nakajimas will just pop back up and no sell it <laughs> or something, yeah. Like, right?
2: Yeah, no, that clearly is like a, uh, anger thing. And it is also, like, generally Noah does contracts in April. Mm-hmm. So if Nakajima, like, wasn't going to, like, he would already not be there. Like, he would have just recently signed a new contract. So right, he's not right. going anywhere.
1: Not yet. <laughs> no. Although I think people are getting a little over the top thinking that there's an exodus about to happen.
2: Too. yeah i just don't see that happening now, I now, think that's a lot of wishful thinking going on
1: i think it's a lot it's not impossible to but it, it, things would have to get even worse than they are now for that and to happen
2: where do people go like that's the thing yeah, like, that's okay, the yeah thing. then they leave but where do they go yeah
1: exactly exactly uh do they do the prominence thing and just yeah well but prominence
2: people. is aligned with cyber fight so yep. Like, they, they, like Cyberfight is not going to let, like, a bunch of people, like, walk out on Noah because they're unhappy with Noah and then also give them a bunch of money to start a new promotion. <laughs> right.
1: Well, no, prominence is in, or was in stardom, briefly. Um, yeah.
2: No, to be fair, yeah, but, I mean, they had shows on, like, Wrestle Universe and everything. Right,
1: right. Um, okay, so the next match after that was Hayata, Yoshinari Ogawa, Chris Wedge, Seki Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu defeating Daisuke Harada, Atsushi Katoge, Yohei, How and Junta walking in 13 minutes and 19 seconds with a buzzsaw kick from Yoshioka against Yohei. And then, I guess, after the match, um, Stinger split, uh, Ogawa and Ridgeway attacked the rest of them.
2: Which is interesting, because that means they finally kind of paid off the... They finally paid off the uh, kind of heat or kind of dissension between Ogawa and Hayata at the beginning of the year after... Uh, their singles title match, uh, which kind of disappeared after that, and then just kind of randomly resurfaced here. I mean, it was kind of random, but I do like Ogawa and Ridgeway splitting off from Stinger, Right. because uh, I saw some people kind of throw around the idea of kind of having a faction with Kaito, Ogawa, Ridgeway, and Yano. Uh, I would probably like add someone like Inaba to that as well, and I think that actually could be like a really good faction. For sure. Like Og- because Ogawa and Kaito have been like doing a lot of stuff together.
1: Yeah. The so match was good. That makes sense. The like, match was good. Nothing like, or, like, you know, go out of your way to see, but like the kind of match you would expect from these two teams. And then Kaito Kiyomiya defeated Ninja Mac in 9 minutes and 49 seconds with the Tiger Suplex hold. Uh, like I said before, the Ninja Mac signs, and when I saw those, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a big deal. Uh, this was really good. A little sloppy towards the end from Ninja Mac, but he... Definitely, clearly got the crowd to gasp at a few moments, and 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 Kaido looked great as usual. And this is the kind of match that Mac is going to learn something from. Yeah, exactly. I, w- I would say check this out if you're just like don't, you don't have to watch this whole show, but I I check this, I would check out this match for sure though.
2: Yeah, no, uh, this was definitely one of the better like Ninja Mac singles matches <laughs> that I've seen. Uh, it wasn't as good as this match at Bloodsport because that was like a genuine like four star match to me. Uh, this one was really good though, and yeah, as I said, like this is. This is exactly the kind of match that Mac needs to ha- needs to get when he's in Japan. Like he needs to go and there with someone like Kaito, who can really like teach him how to like work a proper match structure. Uh, yeah, he still has a sloppiness in there, but again, like he tr- like this was literally just his third match in Japan. Like I'm not gonna have like a super high standard for him uh, just yet, uh, but he's gonna learn because uh, I would assume that he's gonna like train in a dojo as well while he's over in Japan and. Like he's going to get there.
1: For sure. And then the match uh, semi-main event, Naomi Chimara, Fuji, Satoshi Kojima, and Masato Tanaka defeated Go Shiozaki, Daiki Inaba, and Yoshiki Inamura in 14 minutes and 16 seconds with a lariat from Kojima on Shiozaki. Again, another good six-man sprint, but this is all about building up to Kojima and uh, Shiozaki. I would suspect we're going to see a few more matches like this before... um, yeah, because it's still, like, a month to go. I think it's, like, June 12th or something, Cyberfight Festival. So they're probably going to trade a few wins in six-man and eight-man tags between now and then.
2: Yep, that's what I expect as well. Um, made perfect sense as well to me that, like, Kojima was pinning Shiozaki. Like, I heard some people talk about maybe that they could have saved that to, like, build it up and then have him get, get the direct pin on Shiozaki, like, more later, like, towards the show itself. But to me, it also makes sense to just, like, ride out of the gate just have kojima pin shiozaki and to really establish himself as a threat to shiozaki directly right. and yeah as i said like they're probably gonna trade wins kind of over these like upcoming shows just in like six-man tag matches um yeah was pretty strong like i said like Noah has perfected the art of kind of the semi-main six-man tag match and this was another one of those
1: and then the main event for the ghc tag team title renee dupree and alhio dr wagner jr defeated Takashi Sugera and Hideki Suzuki in 18 minutes and 32 seconds with the Moonsault Press uh, from Wagner on Sugera. Notice that Sugera, the senior, the Mm -hmm. four-time GHC heavyweight champion, who's won every title in the promotion, uh, did the job here.
2: Okay, but counterpoint, the other person on his team is Hideki Suzuki, so he couldn't have taken (laughs) the pen. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, This was like a fine three-and-a-quarter match. Uh, there was, I mean, I will give Hideki and Sugera credit. They worked, I thought, pretty hard here to make something of it. Rene Dupree was like in the match a bit at the beginning, but like he was the guy on the outside in like the closing stretch. It was left to Wagner and Sugera, who did a decent enough job. Some of Wagner's forearm strikes look a little wonky but whatever he held his own for the most part and sort of obviously with Dupree on the outside like brawling with Hideki it was sort of to like accentuate like the strength of the team you don't have to go out of your way to see this though
2: yeah no as I mentioned the team Wagner and Dupree did just okay they perfectly met that's kind of what this match was as well uh, definitely prefer kind of figures and Hideki's kind of other tag title matches to this one but it also wasn't a bad match either. I was just kind of coming away from it. Being like, yep, this was a perfectly acceptable match and exactly what I expected this match to be, which I suspect is going to be every kind of Dupree and Wagner title match. Going uh, I don't. Like,
1: I, I don't. Put... I was going to say it wouldn't shock me if they don't even get a successful defense and just drop it to um, Elgin and Kidamia.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either because again, like they never a- actually lost those titles because they right. won them after they won the tag league, uh, and then they had to vacate them because of because they couldn't come back to the country because of Corona. Yeah. So it makes sense to like just put the titles back on them now, but not really give them a long reign. Like it's just actually have them lose the titles properly this time, and then just kind of have them be kind of a middle of the pack team, which is the perfect spot for them.
1: Yeah, they are either getting uh, zero defenses or one defense, but nothing more than that. Yeah, no, no and back. I do
2: expect them to lose them. Like They're going like, to lose them to Elgin and Kitamiya.
1: Um, this show will be finished by the time uh, you listen to this. But oh, on the 5th, sure. the only matches of note, I will say, Sucks versus Kenya Okada, uh, Manibu Soya versus Michael Elgin, and Satoshi Kojima versus Yoshiki Inamura. I will probably definitely watch Slex versus Okada and Kojima versus Inamura. Those I think are matches definitely at my alley. But the rest of the stuff like multi man tags and whatever. Um, and I'm just seeing just really quick before we go Cyber Fight. Yeah, June twelfth, Shizaki versus Kojima and Keno versus Daisuke Sasaki. And um, I'm just looking. Oh, uh, Yokohama Radiant Hall another in innovation. So on May fourteenth, Daisuke Harada versus Hio. Which should be really should be good.
2: a ton of fun. I could actually see Heo getting the win there via
1: Countout because that's just the way he goes. Um, other matches of note. On May 19th, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Simon Gotch. So Gotch is going to be around for a bit.
2: Yeah, I'm curious about that one. Because
1: like, obviously be he good.
2: matches up really well style-wise with Funaki, So I'm curious how he does. with.
1: I think he can uh, do it with Kiyomiya, Kiyomiya for sure. Yeah. And on that same show, Goshi Ozaki and Daiki and ABBA versus Marfuji and Kojima. I could see Shiozaki pinning Kojima there. Yeah, and yeah, I that, can, that's I can
2: see that one go either way, but I mean, I could also see Inaba getting pinned.
1: And um, everyone's favorite, Keijimuto returns on May 21st at Odo Ward City Gym. It seems like a big show to be running just like a couple weeks after. Because um, I don't think that's going to have a GHC title match. I don't know what that's going to draw. If that draws... 1,200, would you consider it a success?
2: Um, yeah, I would. Like, I mean, we don't well, really know I mean, that much about the card yet. So.
1: Well, it's Shiozaki, Kiyomiya, and Tanaka versus Keiji Marfuji and Kojima. Um, all Japan drew like 1,300 there for Ishikawa versus um, Miyahara. I can't believe I blanked on his name of all people. Um, so, I mean, I would assume that 1,000 people is going to be considered a success, I think, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it also for depends no. what they kind of put on there as well. Like, I could actually see them, for example, put a, put a tag title match on there and maybe get, like, a junior title match as well.
1: National title, yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll stack Yeah, it.
2: national title, I think definitely we could see a defense there.
1: Yeah, so that's it for uh, Noah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I really enjoy these two shows, but there's just too much going on for me to, like, being like everything is fine, meme.
2: No, right? no, definitely not everything is fine and Noah. I think the Doom saying about Noah is getting a bit out of control as well, though, because it's like I have a feeling that some people think the promotion is like about to go out of business, and that's
1: well, no, definitely not, not the case. Well, no, there's no, definitely, Nisala, yeah, Nisala could run it into the ground with his booking of his friends that <laughs> Cyberfight decides to cut bait, but I that's still a couple years away, yeah. I think,
2: and again, like the. Like the drawing, like it's. I don't f- think that they're really where CyberFight wants them to be, but it's no, also not. not like they're not. They're not like bottoming out either. Like again, like the two well, Super yeah, mean, just th- they they drew within expectations. It's just that obviously CyberFight wants No Noah to be like the flagship promotion, and they're still right. getting outdrawn by DDT. So,
1: in some context, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's the same thing. Like with All Japan, I think. uh th- yeah, things are not what they were, but there's the pandemic, but some of the doom saying on some of the attendances especially for their bigger shows is not quite what some people are claiming they are. But I think that's like a you know, I mean, pandemic numbers are hard, but you can see trends especially in Noah.
2: Yeah, I mean, long long term for Noah is obviously like another question on what's going to happen there, but it's well, the, just the, so hard to predict right now.
1: The Budokan number in July will tell us a lot, I think. Yeah. Like and I do I expect
2: think... CyberFight Festival to draw, but I also feel like CyberFight Festival draws because they actually, with the first one, they managed to establish that one as like a proper yeah. big show. So I think it's gonna do f- well just based off the fact that it's a CyberFight Festival.
1: And we'll see how big a draw RVD is. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh God, oh, RVD it... in 2022. It's Save not gonna.
1: Be, it's not gonna be pretty. I mean, he's, he's, the only or worse. I know right now, then RVD would be Muto, I think.
2: Caution.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, <laughs> but that just goes to show, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, RVD can still do like the Rolling Thunder or whatever. Um, Hopefully, but... because well, I yeah. last time, who knows, right? But it's, that's been two years, right? His last run in Impact was two years ago. Yeah. Um, but now, mind you, he hasn't been wrestling much, or. Ha- yeah, he's been wrestling on indies I think. yeah he's been, been
2: wrestling he's been wrestling on like low level in islam actually doesn't quickly take a look at that it's oh, God damn it, cage match why don't you put on um, yeah well i mean Rob and so what has he done since he left impact uh so yeah so like he since 12, since uh the since september 22nd 2020 which was his last match in impact Well, he defeated Sammy Callahan (laughs) on TV. He hasn't had a match on Impact since then, so he has one, two, three, four, five matches since then.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, Yeah, the biggest spot probably him working OTT. He gets beating Scotty Davis, and then otherwise, yeah, nothing really of note. He did wrestle, him and Bully Ray wrestled the Hardy family office in the ECW arena. Jesus.
1: Still doing that, eh? Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, well, Paul, I don't think you have any more thoughts on Noah, do you?
2: No, I think i am got. A, I think we've got everything covered on there.
1: Okay. Well, for uh, Paul Vosch, I'm Gerard De Trolio, and we'll see you in two weeks.